0: This is Jocko Podcast number 49 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. It starts off quietly. When you're young, you don't quite know where it comes from, and at first you don't even know what it is, but you know it's... Something. You feel it. You feel it growing. You're just a child, but you feel it. Something, something inside of you. And at some point, that thing, it crosses over. It goes. From being something that you don't fully recognize, something that you don't completely understand. It goes from that to being you. Those things become you. It is you, it is your emotions. It is sadness and happiness and passion and anger and joy and it is rage and those things those emotions they burn and they burn hot they're a fire that grows out of control they fuel your mind and your body and your soul And that marks the change, becoming a person, becoming an individual instead of a child. You release the inferno. You burn what you touch and you ignite those near you. And in that fire, you burn you burn out of control and people around you the people the other humans the normal humans they do their best to extinguish that fire they tell you to relax they tell you to calm down they tell you to get a grip they tell you it isn't healthy And that's because they are scared. They're scared of that fire in your soul. And so they tell you that you are crazy. And because the anger and the rage and the sadness are so brutal and so hard to suffer through, you begin to listen to those people. To those Normal humans. And so you begin to subdue the fire. You stop feeding it. You start to get those emotions under control. And at some point you realize this is better. Better to control those emotions. Better to starve those passions. You begin to shut them down. you are a child no more no more angry youth no now you are an adult a responsible adult you control your emotions you don't let them control you and the anger and the rage and the sadness they begin to wither up they become listless, just memories. But when the anger and the rage and the sadness fade, so does the passion and the happiness and the joy. And of course, because it happens slowly, the creeping disease, you don't notice it. It isn't a bolt of lightning or a violent explosion that kills them, but a slow, slithering death. Then, one day, you wake up and you catch a glimpse of yourself in the mirror. And as you look into your own faded, lifeless eyes, You see something, something you recognize, something subtle and worn, but something still filled with a subdued power. And you remember, you remember what that felt like, what anger, and joy and horror and happiness felt like and you wonder what happened to them. And you realize that in order to control your passions, you destroyed them. All of them. But let me tell you, they aren't dead. They cannot so easily be killed. They are there and they are waiting to be released again. And no, you don't have to let them get out of control, but you can certainly let them out into the wild. You can dance with them. And of course, while you need to balance them and maintain the upper hand over your emotions, you can still relish in their glory. But you have to let them out. You have to expose the nerves, feel the pain, feel the frustration, the sadness, the shock, the anger. And in those adverse moments, Then you also get to feel the laughter, the joy, the gratitude, the passion. Because it is the passion, not indifference, that fuels greatness. And it is conviction, not tranquility that drives execution. And while we must not ever let our emotions dictate our decisions, we are not here to eradicate our emotions. Control them? Yes, of course you must maintain control of your emotions. Keep them in check? Yes, by all means. Emotional restraint is a necessity. But destroy them? No. That is not what we do. So, let your guard down. Expose your weaknesses. Take some risks. Open up your fragile soul. And those embers, those smoldering embers that you have tried to smother, but that are ready to ignite again and become an inferno of energy and of power. Feed those embers. Light that fire again. Stoke it with air and fuel and more fire. And let it. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. Those were just some thoughts I had uh, as I was thinking about, you know, one of those dichotomies Mm -hmm. in life. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously, I talk a lot about maintaining control of your emotions, Mm -hmm. but we can go too far with that Mm -hmm. idea. And I wanted to remind myself that if we take that idea too far, we're actually gonna regress backwards in a negative way. Mm. My opinion. I dig it. <laughs> and last podcast went a little bit long, which brings us to straight up Q and A today. Yep. Questions from the interwebs. Yeah. Bring it. Oh, you got some comment?
1: way to submit questions just because people have been asking me okay Twitter right or
0: Twitter's really solid Facebook Facebook is also good yeah Instagram don't yeah' don't. Instagram's I, 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 I you know I, I'm on Instagram but it's harder for me to compile those questions when people hit me with those they don't stand out as much they're in a caption of a picture twenty seven comments down and it just right yeah not. Not the best way. Not the best way.
1: Yeah, Facebook, Twitter. Every once in a while, people will submit them through the store, mm-hmm. and possible way. It, yeah, it, it, it's good, but it, you kind of do run the risk of there being store issues that's that are pressing, and then I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, let me get back to this question, whether it be to forward it or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you run the risk of it maybe getting shuffled to the bottom or something.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think there might be a more efficient way to do it. Yeah. Maybe I should just be doing one. Maybe I should do for each podcast on Facebook. Say, hey, if you have questions for the next podcast, ask them on this thread right here. Mm -hmm. That might be a way to do it.
1: What about an email questions at? That that, that might be a good idea, idea too.
0: Yeah, that might be a good idea. Interesting. All right. If only I knew someone that knew how to set that up. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All right. Speaking of questions from the interweb, what do you got? First question. Jocko,
1: what is the biggest turnaround on stance slash opinion you've ever made?
0: Now, this is one of those questions that I sat there and thought about it for a while. And then I realized that the answer was... Sitting right in front of my face, literally, sitting right in front of my face, and that is this. Mm-hmm. It's the podcast, the book, the social media, all of it. Because I've I've talked about this before. I was raised in the SEAL teams to be the quiet professional. And as a matter of fact, one of my one of my favorite SEALs when I was a young young guy at at Team One, this guy was just a just a total badass frogman. And learned I learned a ton from him. And he was actually, you know some people will say, oh, that guy's good at everything. Mm. This guy was actually awesome at everything, <laughs> like everything that there was to do, at shooting, at fighting, at climbing, at tactics, everything that he did, he was awesome at. And he was super, su- super hardcore, mm. just tough. And in fact, one of the stories about him is that when he joined the Navy, and he had to come to boot camp, I guess, in San Diego. He paddled a kayak from where he lived <laughs> to mm. get to San Diego. Mm-hmm. And he was 17 years old, by the way. He was just a 17-year-old <laughs> kid, joined the Navy when he was 17, and then had no way of getting here. So he'll take a kayak, put it in the water, and paddle to San Diego. <laughs> I don't know. That seems to be mm. the, the smart way to do things. Sure. And so back in the day, he had a hat. And he had this hat and this is before you'd see seal memorabilia everywhere you just see it yeah all over the place he had this hat with just a trident on it nothing else just a trident and then under the trident it just said the words the silent option and i always thought to myself yes that is it right there that's us right the silent option No fanfare, no news, no parade, no fame or fortune or glory of any kind. No, none of that. The silent option. That's it. And pretty much everybody that I looked up to in the SEAL teams had that kind of attitude. And there's something that is obviously so pure about that that attitude. So selfless that none of what you did as a SEAL was ever for any kind of recognition, ever. And that to me was sort of the code. Now, there were people that stepped out from that code and while it certainly wasn't encouraged, it wasn't really ridiculed either. either. I mean, people, people did it, people wrote books and it, was, it wasn't it was looked that down upon at the time unless you were a bad team guy. Mm. If you were a bad SEAL, or if you were a guy that had a bad reputation, you, you would be crushed in the SEAL teams, amongst the team guys in the community. Now, civilians, they don't know the difference, right? Uh, I mean, to civilians, how can they tell? They just, a SEAL is a SEAL is a SEAL, so they're good with it. But in the teams, if you had a bad reputation, your reputation would get even worse if you if you broke the code. So when I retired, I had zero intention of of going public, right? Of becoming this, and and then when I started working with civilian companies and Leif and I formed the company Echelon Front, and we we realized pretty quickly that there was a big need for people to learn what we had to teach, and really quickly the demand for us to write this down and be able to give it to people grew and it was really obvious to us so when that started when we when that started and we started wrote it down and then that started to transform this idea of what we had written down started transforming into becoming a book like a legitimate book i i got really nervous and scared and kind of almost sick, right? I was definitely, definitely w- very weary about it. And I think I did some little self-sabotage along the way, just a little bit here or there, you know, I just, well, I don't know, you know, yeah. it's probably not going to, you know, we. I think I did some of that stuff. I'd have to, I'd have to think about it. In fact, I know I did some of it um, because it's kind of an all or nothing proposition, right? You know? You're either do it or you don't do it. And I guess you could try and use like a pseudonym, but then that doesn't really, that's not me, right? I'm not going to, uh, even, I'm not going to make up a personality, right? And, oh, right, and right. not yeah. be me, right? So that wasn't really an option. And and furthermore, I knew that that doesn't really last either. I mean, the pseudonyms, eventually people figure out who they are, and so that's the way it works. Um, and, and I think the thing that finally made me say, okay, I, I'm going to do this, is that I, I'm, as I decided, like okay, I'm gonna do this. I just kind of knew I wasn't gonna be anything else other than what I was. Right? I'm not gonna try and put on some persona or be something that I'm not. I'm just gonna be me, and I've got, you know, that that's what I'm gonna do. And so that's what I did. You know, the 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 me that is here is just me. There's no nothing special. That's just who I am, and. That's all I did was basically expose what I am to you know people in the public. Now, th- the thing is, now that I actually am out there a little bit and people can kind of see me in the world, right? There's definitely some things that I, I don't like about it, or I, I shouldn't say I don't like. But there's some challenges, right? There's some challenges there. For instance, you're being watched all the time. You're being followed and being, you're being judged. And those things right there are coincidentally the exact same kind of challenges you face when you're in a leadership position that I faced when I was in a leadership position. Oh, people are watching me. Mm -hmm. Oh, people are judging me. I'm used to that. That's what it was like when I was in the SEAL teams. And just like, When I was in the SEAL teams, I always tried to stay true to what I believed in and what I believed was right. And not to say I never made mistakes. I obviously did. But I always gave it my all to do the best job I could do and to take care of my guys, my brothers, and my friends. That's what I always tried to do. And... Really, that's all I'm still trying to do is just to give something back, to pass on some of the things, some of the little things that I learned along the way. And really, when I get the feedback from from my SEAL teammates, from guys that are still active duty in the SEAL teams, from soldiers and Marines that are retired or guys that are still on active duty or guys that transition to the civilian world, all those guys, guys from the front lines that are on the front lines right now and then guys that are law enforcement and firefighters and when all those that whole crew that whole group of people send me some kind of thanks it's awesome and in addition to them and i don't know if this is surprising or not but i hear from just everyday normal people too, civilians, right? Businessmen, laborers, entrepreneurs, builders, mechanics, plumbers, electricians, software engineers, doctors, men and women, girls and boys, young and old, just every imaginable size, shape, color of person from every walk of life. And I hear from them and when I hear from them and I see that they're getting something out of this, that makes those little challenges of judgment and, and scrutiny, it makes all those worthwhile to me. Because once again, I feel like I'm part of something that's bigger than me, bigger than myself. Something more powerful than I could ever be by myself. Something stronger than I could ever be alone. And for me to be doing what I can do to, to help that and to have that, to have trying to help be both the task and the reward. It's a reward to help people. <clears throat> that, to me, has made it worthwhile. Yeah, I
1: could see that. Well,, okay, the silent professional?-hmm.
0: The quiet professional. yeah, and the silent option. Yeah, two yeah. different uh, variations, variations on the same, on the same theme.
1: Is that because if that wasn't there, you'd I would imagine you'd get a bunch of Hey, look at me, I was such a I was such a badass and all these stories and you know because I think that like what, what you and Leif have and, and even this podcast and stuff, sure there's like references to war, but it's not about like, ooh, let me spin all the cool tales that the war that I went through and stuff like that. It's it's more about like the actual principles of leadership and what, what can yeah. be effective, you know. Even though I know the general public would probably want to hear every last cool story on how you saved this person or, you know, killed all these bad guys or whatever, you know. Everyone would want to hear that. I would want to hear that. But that's not what it's about. That's not like what you're going public with, mm-hmm. you know. It's more about like, okay, this valuable stuff that is is tried, tested in basically the harshest of conditions, you know, that work everywhere. And like, that's the valuable part. I don't even know if that's even like seeking glory in any way.
0: Well, again, I've said this before. You can say that you're not trying to seek glory, but then when you write a 300 page book about yourself you know what i mean and then you have a podcast about yourself it's like it, it just is what it is like there's no that that has a level of of self-centeredness that you can't yeah. i mean you can't avoid – it can't deny right i can't yeah. deny like i well, actually know the podcast is uh, it's it's a podcast and i talk on it for 2 hours right Joco that's podcast. that's me talking right? yeah so there's a there is a level of that that you can't escape from and, yeah. and I don't know if i talked about this before, but that book, The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test, which I don't know, maybe I'll do, but it's um, it's about the hippies and the drug revolution. And well, there's one part of it where this guy is listening. There, He's up in Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco, and he goes on this tangent about how what they're saying is me, me, right. me, me, look at me. <laughs> and when I read that for the first time, I was like, Oh, I never want to be that person that's saying that. Yeah. and that's that. But uh, again, the dichotomy here is: I have a podcast, I have a book, and and the book is me, and the podcast me, and so it's unavoidable to have a podcast that you talk on, and not have it somehow be about you. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. So that's a real challenge, and I do my best to mitigate that. Right. But you can't stop it. It is factually. A podcast that I'm in it is factually a book that I wrote right you write. know it's a book that factually Leif wrote so you, you, that's just what it is yeah. and so you can't take those away the only thing that mitigates that feeling from me is again what I just said is when you got when I got soldiers marine when I got f- seal teammates of mine that are fired up and yeah. they're 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 saying hey that was awesome thanks for that one this this was great I I never knew that or whatever they're gonna say yeah. right and then on top of that you know you get civilians that are saying hey I stopped using drugs because of your podcast that is awesome yeah I don't like drugs and so when somebody tells me that they stopped using drugs because of the podcast that that makes me feel very gratified when somebody calls me up I just had it or somebody uh, on Twitter, just said a guy's like fifty three years old and he said, Hey, I've lost X amount of pounds, forty something pounds, and he said, I just did the first legit pull-up of my life. Damn. 53 years old. Yeah. 53 years old, just did the first legitimate pull up of his life. He's like, Thank you. Yeah. That is worth the 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 daggers right, that true. stick me in my brain because I know I sold out. Yeah. Right, I sold out. But that's what it is.
1: Is is that is it just in your? I mean, do you get like scrutiny from people at all for, for "quote unquote" selling out, or is it? Not or really. Do you think? <laughs> yeah. My my
0: my, my, my bros and the teams are fire. They're they're right. No. That's what I would think, and it is
1: because the whole dynamic. I mean, yeah. I mean, you gotta be like Jocko Podcast. It's called Jocko Podcast. It's about I me. Mean, you kind of have to do that. Yep. I mean, there's there's a small element of that that you have to include about yourself. Yeah, for credibility reasons all this stuff But then aside from that It's it's valuable stuff It's not glory seeking stuff at all This is like stuff that's helpful yeah. It'll help like if you The stuff that you can benefit from From this podcast from the book If your neighbor If the people in your neighborhood all Incorporated these principles into their life It'd be a better neighborhood So it's I, not like you know I'm just this Yeah look at me I'm a warrior You know it's not that
0: No no
1: so it makes it worth it I mean I th- I mean I dig it though that like tradition if let's just say if there's like a person who's like hey you know like hey I dig what you're doing but you shouldn't do that that's the code that's the tradition that's yeah. the you know the code you sold out I yeah. would understand that but yeah. I think that's just like you're not looking at the big picture yeah
0: yeah no it definitely was when I hear back from when I hear like I said when I hear from active duty military when I hear from my seal bros that are that are telling me this is awesome that yep. that's that makes it worthwhile to me, and yep. uh, that's sort of why I keep doing it. That, and again, these civilian folks that are out there that mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. that are just changing their lives. And mm-hmm. and again, I whenever they say, oh, thank you, I say, I didn't do anything. You did it. That guy that did his first pull-up, his first legit pull-up in 53 years of life, you know what? That's awesome. I didn't do that pull-up. He did it. He had to put all the work in. All he did was change his attitude and get in the game, mm-hmm. and now he's you know, having a much better situation in his life. Because your life is better. If you go from zero pull-ups to one, yep. your life just got better. Yep. Your life just got a lot better, as a matter of fact. Yeah. So, yeah, but, but it was interesting as I sat here and talked about the, when qu- I thought about the question, the biggest turnaround. I've been really pretty steady in my beliefs for a long time. Yeah. I mean. About this, you mean? No, just in general. In general just like yeah. in general, if you, if you were to interview me now and you interviewed me 10 years ago, They'd be close. I was probably a little bit dumber 10 years ago. I was d- dumber six months ago. But my broad beliefs would be somewhat similar, right? Yeah. And th- so I was thinking, okay, what's the biggest turnaround? And then I realized, oh, yeah, obviously this is a huge turnaround for me. Yeah. And, and there were guys that, you know, when guys in the SEAL teams found out that I had a book coming out, yeah, there yeah. were definitely some guys that were like, dude, yeah, what yeah. are you doing? And I was, you know, and then they'd read it and say, hey, man, yeah. credit, yeah. it's cool. All good, you know, and uh that's the way it is
1: let's say you were to not rewind life, but you're take the jocko from before before Ramadi how about that mm-hmm. Jocko from be- and then the idea was introduced hey like what do you, like what did you feel about that like if someone went and wrote a book and did you know did a it, podcast or something like what was your take on Well, there was no back podcast then? back then,
0: but generally. Yeah. Generally negative. Yeah, that's that's why it's a big turnaround. Right, right. Because if you told me that years ago, I'd be like, oh, you know, we're quiet professionals. We right. don't do that kind of thing. Yeah. So here I am, Mr. Quiet Professional.
1: Yeah,
0: not so quiet. Not so quiet. Still a professional though. Trying to keep it professional. Definitely trying to keep it professional.
1: Yeah, man, it's good. Yeah. The is there? A, you know how like some you know people who who change their attitude on things all the time sometimes get frowned upon and this is just in general mm. for for being like a flip-flopper or something yeah. you see it well, in like in politics, politics and yeah. stuff but isn't that kind of good if your if your ideas about things always are updated yeah
0: it's okay with me i don't mind yeah. i don't mind if people uh change their opinion over time mm. as they as they bring on new knowledge but there's a point where that becomes ridiculous right
1: <laughs> yeah well it, yeah, it kind of depends on why they're changing their mind. Yeah, that's know? true, too. So if it's like with the introduction of new facts and stuff right. like that, then they're like, okay, I didn't know all that. Now, you know, it, it paints a broader, you know, more accurate picture. So now I feel this way or starting to feel this way. about." It. But there's a, there's a bias, you know, talk about cognitive bias called, it's called, a, I think it's called backfire effect. Mm-hmm. And it's the opposite. So like new factual information will come in. And the tendency is to be like, is to dig deeper into
0: your current belief. Oh, for sure. In fact, I can I can talk about that. I, I've i seen that happen before. And what I've seen that happen is people, when they, the way that they first learn to do something in the SEAL teams yeah. is the way they believe is correct. Right. And you have to beat it out of them. <laughs> like old, yeah. as we learn new tactics, like whenever, wherever some guy went to their first training at a SEAL team, wherever they went and whoever taught them, that's sort of what they believe. Yeah. And anyone else that comes in with a new idea will be, oh yeah, man, you don't know what you No, that's not the best way. Yeah. And so, and I, I figured that out real quick when I was in training when i was when i was running training mm. and i realized oh oh i got to get over this barrier of you know this guy learned it at this team or wherever mm. and or he learned it from this guy and so he's got to have that in his head that that's the only way to do things cool just got to just got to i wouldn't aggressively attack it of course mm. i'd say oh yeah that's a great tactic what they do yeah that this the, and you know what what we're about to show you actually mixes in with that tactic good you might want to you know it's something you could use along with your tactic mm. and then they'd realize that the tactic we're teaching is superior yeah. Because we've evolved, right? I mm-hmm. had to evolve. We learned tactics, new tactics all the time. The fundamental principles didn't change, but the execution at a tactical level would change yeah, because yeah. we got better.
1: Updated, yeah. Yeah,
0: well, it's it's called war. You know, we <laughs> went to war. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as we went to war, we started figuring out some of the stuff that we had been taught
1: yeah. didn't
0: really function. The way we, It's it was literally like pre-UFC martial arts. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right? Yep. You know, pre-UFC martial arts, if you learn that, you know, if I touch your neck, <laughs> in this particular manner, you are yeah. going to fall down, and nothing is going to save you from that. Yeah. And, and if you get taught that, you might believe it. Yeah, and and then somebody punches you in the face, I know. <laughs> or does a double leg takedown on you and slams yeah. you into the ground. Yeah, when they try to hit their neck or something. Yeah, when you try and karate chop their neck. So it was the same thing in the SEAL teams. We had tactics that had evolved during a peacetime environment in a in a bubble, and so when the war started, we said, "Ooh, okay, we need to we need to." do an immediate check on all these things.
1: Yeah. My friend was in from out of town this past weekend. We watched the fights, and the guys were in this specific position, you know, standing kind of from the back there. And he and he asked, um, he's like, hey, couldn't he just, like, throw knees and mm. give him, like, the meanest Charlie horse right mm-hmm. there? And then we were like, uh, you know, yeah. it's not, we don't say it, it's not condescending or anything, but if you don't know, you, don't, don't, know, know. you don't know. Yeah, it's like, so we said... No, I mean, yeah, you could, throw, but that wouldn't do anything. I mean, no. I don't think you would even feel that. You know, no. not you know, during you know, a fight. fight, not during yeah. a UFC fight. So how I put it was, I said, "Charlie horses are for when you're cruising and <laughs> you see your friend. You're like, I'm gonna give my friend a Charlie horse, and you do it, and it like hurts him. He's like, oh, you know. But no, when you're in fighting, like, yeah, you don't really feel a Charlie horse.
0: You know. Now, uh, that being said, if somebody, if you're in a position, and somebody starts dropping, yeah, twelve to six elbows onto your thigh. And they're big enough, and they're big, and you're st- kind of stuck there. You'll yeah. feel those, After and you, a while. you'll see a guy even in the UFC. You'll see a guy make adjustments yeah. and move because he doesn't want to get take you know twelve of those shots. That's not yeah. going to be fun.
1: Yeah, my example was a leg kick. So a leg kick is essentially can be like a Charlie you know horse. Like, yeah. You know how like you know how like you give your friend be like a Charlie like horse, really gnarly Ex- Charlie horse. Exactly Hurst, right, though. and and that's the point. Yeah, the point is like what you would think is a common charlie charlie horse like with your friend or at school or whatever like oh like an elbow or you punch it or even you knee it or whatever um is different than like the kind of Charlie horse that will be effective in Yeah, and in but the in UFC. a fight
0: in an MMA, it takes even 99% of the time with leg kicks, it it does take multiple. Yeah, it takes yeah. rounds worth of leg kicks before yeah. you can actually affect the guy. It might slow the guy down a little bit. He's a little less apt to to be have weight on that front leg or whatever, mm-hmm. but then, you know, you see there's been fights that have ended because yeah. third or fourth round, the guy's been kicked in the leg 47 times and it's yeah. it's just Easy. He breaks. Yeah. Yeah. It's just,
1: yeah. Again, just one of those things. Like if, if, if you don't know, you don't know, you, know, that's you think true. that's how it is. And then get updated the information.
0: Yeah. There's much in the world that looks like that. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you don't know, it, it seems like it'd be easy Yeah, and it's not easy. And jujitsu is a classic or MMA is a classic example of that. Mm-hmm. But there's so many things. I mean, even a normal sport you know, baseball. Yep. Hey, how hard can it be to hit that ball? All sports <laughs> actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All sports. <laughs> uh, rock climbing. You know, you look and say, oh, that dude, why don't you just grab that thing right there? Yeah. But no. Just hold on. Yeah. Just hold on. No, it doesn't work that way. Yeah,
1: Football, like, you know, when they drop the ball, it's like, oh my gosh, you couldn't even catch that ball. It's right in his hands. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Trey, you're a football now. Of course, they're trained to the understand, but you, you know, that's kind of part of the point you know mm-hmm. them being trained made it look like it's so easy you've seen it done all that all yeah. those times
0: and what's interesting is when this transfers over into the interpersonal and the leadership realm yeah, yeah. and it's the same exact thing where if you don't know you don't know mm-hmm. and you see people that are you know younger leaders or they're not very experienced and they'll be making the same kind of rookie mistakes or have the same kind of 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 opinion of hey, why don't we just tell them to do this? Oh, that's very easy. Why you tell them? To, can't tell them? Just tell them to do that. <laughs> you just tell them to do that. They're just not going to listen to you right, because right. they don't have respect for you because you don't have a relationship with you. and You haven't built anything up yet. So you can end up with the same thing in that aspect of life mm-hmm. as you do in a war fighting aspect of life as you do in a sports aspect of life. It's yeah. all the same. Yeah, huh. you got to learn the skills. You got to practice the skills. Yeah, too.
1: Even like shooting a gun.
0: Yeah. Oh, super easy, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's see somebody knock out. You know, it's it's it it's a skill. I mean, it's easier. It's obviously easier to kill someone with a gun than it is with a knife or with your bare hands. It's an easier method. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you see. You know, you see this all the time. You see little gunfights where people fire shoot <laughs> 20, 25 rounds yeah. at another guy and they don't hit him. Yeah. And they're only ten feet away. You yeah. know. So. Shooting is easier, but it it still is a skill you know, that you need to practice
1: I know man and that's not to mention just all the like input they like just firing it you know you know like on movies the guy'll be like one hand you know mm, whatever yeah. boom 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 a re, a more accurate representation of how it would go is like you know the kind of movies where the girl they 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 totally demean women a lot of the times so when the the girl grabs the gun and she's like ah! And she shoots it And then like it flies out of her hand Oh yeah That's probably pretty accurate If you never
0: shot a gun Well yeah If someone's never shot a gun before Yeah The first time I ever took my wife To a range to to teach her shooting And she was kind of that way You know Kind of scared And intimidated And she was kind of Almost shaking a little bit Mm. And A half an hour later I had her doing quick draws From the holster (laughs) Gunning down targets (laughs) I said yeah You're over it now Aren't you She says shut up And reload my magazine (laughs) I'm like okay cool We got this
1: Yeah you ever seen those videos online? I mean, I don't know how much time you spend watching videos online, but they're more just for entertainment, but of people like shooting gu- <laughs> like big guns in it. Like, oh, and it, it hits them it hits in the them? face and stuff. Yeah, those and are yeah. good.
0: Yeah. I, if I'm going to spend time watching videos, I'm watching actually guys that are good, that have some knowledge to put out on shooting. Right, right. Stuff so. you can learn. Gotcha. So check. Although you can learn from watching somebody yeah, get hit in the face with a shotgun <laughs> yep. when they shoot it wrong. All right. Awesome.
1: Next question. I had a few questions relating to my family life for guys who join the SEALs. My boyfriend is interested in taking the pass. So this is coming from the girl. Oh, okay. Interesting. Jocko, you have mentioned being married while a SEAL. Was it hard on you you and your wife and family? Advice for a newlywed SOF
0: candidate. That stands for SOF, Special Operations Forces. There you go. So this is actually, this was two questions. And basically... From the other side, mm-hmm. and Pete, by the way, everyone that's asked, can I bring my wife on here? My wife has given the the stern negative. <laughs> she's not coming. You know why? Because she's a legit quiet professional. Uh, she's yeah. just a legit but quiet professional. She doesn't want any of this uh, glory. Glory. <laughs> yeah. No, she did it just because she loves the job. <laughs> so my wife has said no, and I've and someone said, you know, I said uh, went back and forth with somebody on social media, and they said, hey. Flanker, her. I'm, hey, ben, she's a, she, uh, yeah. she, she knows this game, bro. She's not going to get flanked. It's super easy. I'm, but what I'm doing is kind of playing a long-term game. I'm playing some seeds and whatnot, trying to get her maybe to think about how she could help some other folks out there. All so, right. you know, we're trying to work through yeah. – there, there is some flanking activity going on. <laughs> we're going to see where it goes. Uh, but to this question, being married to a guy that's in special operations or in the SEAL teams or whatever, it is a hard life. In many ways, and you know the seal teams we had a ninety percent divorce rate by the way, a ninety Dang. and I think it's come down a little bit I'm not a hundred percent sure I don't know what the current numbers are to date, but man, when I was a young kid, everybody was divorced you, you know guys were just getting married and divorced all the time so here's the here's the couple things that I would tell you that I think made made my marriage last, right? Aside from my wife being awesome, of course, right? Full credit. But here's a couple things. Number one, um, you have to respect the fact that the job is the number one priority. And that is completely different from what a lot of people think, and I don't mean to be offensive by that, by saying that, but the job has to be number one. And for me, and I've said this before, on, on interviews, the job was the most important thing to me. And my wife didn't take offense to that. She didn't, when I said, hey, I'm going to work, but it's Saturday, doesn't matter. Y- you know. Oh, I'm, going, I'm gonna, not going to be coming home tonight. W- why? I'm going to work. And then I'm going out with my friends because we're going to go and hang out because that's what we do. Yeah. And she never would get offended by that. Mm-hmm. Instead, she realized, oh, okay, yeah, his job is the most important thing. He's got to take care of himself. He's got to take care of his guys. He's got to take care of his job. He's got to take care of the country so i am number 2 that's cool you know what i need to do is help support him and so that is that is what was happening and and so what that means is your wife in this case you young lady that's asking this question you need to be an independent person right you you need to be self sufficient and and that's not just self sufficient with you know being able to clear the toilet when it gets clogged up and you know call the plumber when the water heater breaks and handle all that administrative stuff and all the tasks around the house and provide you know take care of the finances cuz your 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 husband's going to be gone. He's going to be gone. He's going to be on a workup, he's going to be he's going to be gone a lot. And so you got to be able to handle all that stuff and on top of that, you have to be self-sufficient emotionally. Emotionally self-sufficient where you don't need to have this constant uh you know, constant flow of affection coming from this guy who has a bunch of other things to worry about. Yeah. Right. So that's hard to do, and it's hard. I think that's one of the problems. I mean, that's why there's probably a high divorce rate because it's hard to find a a girl or a woman that can do those things. Yeah. Right. So it's that that will make that's part of the solution here. Now, the husband obviously. Big things you got to do is leave your job at work, right? And don't don't bring it home with you. And I've talked about this before. You know, don't, in the SEAL teams, you don't have to. You, when you get done with work, you change. You put on your civilian clothes. You go home. So you're not bringing that with you. That's sort of a psychological moment to change mm. and and get those out. But there's also the attitude that you can carry over very easily because the SEAL teams and, and special operations and the military in general, but definitely the SEAL teams is a hostile environment with your friends. Mm. Your friends are not supportive, caring, <laughs> nurturing friends. No, mm. your friends are just <laughs> just savages, right? Yeah. Everything, they're looking for weakness. It's just, I mean, it's all fun, mm-hmm. but it's all just a constant... It's a constant just battle, verbal battle, verbal abuse all day long. It's fun. Like, we're having fun with it. That's the sick sense of humor. You know, when Tim Kennedy was on here and they made that movie Rage Range 15 and all, all that, that like kind of sick, twisted sense of humor is what you're living in. Mm-hmm. And there's a real problem that occurs when you take that <laughs> little sick sense of humor and that abusive personality that you develop at work and you bring it home. Yep. And that happened to me when I went to college and... All of a sudden, I wasn't around any team guys anymore. Mm -hmm. All day long, no more team guys. And then here I am. Uh, And what do I do now? I come home from going to school all day, which was annoying. And then the first person I talked to, because I didn't talk to anyone when I went to school, unless I was asking them a specific question about some knowledge or some thing that was happening in a class. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I didn't make any friends. So I would come home and I want to socialize. What was the only way I knew how to socialize with people? Cutting them down, yeah. <laughs> abusing them. Yeah. And I, that's a little bit strong, but you know, definitely making comments and, and trying to have a good time through, mm-hmm. through cutting people down. Yeah. And so you know, and I've talked about this before, I, I think somebody's kind of grabbed onto this, but you know, for instance, you know, before I was going to college, when I was just in the teams, my wife would make dinner, whatever it is. She makes it, "Hey, cool, thank you, appreciate it. When I was going to school. All of a sudden, I'm not around team guys anymore. I want to have some fun when I come home. And, you know, she'd cook me something, and I would have some comments about <laughs> it, right? And, and and eventually, and it was very clear when she said this to me, she she didn't think a big deal. She just goes, hey, I'm not a team guy, you know. Right? You know, I think I said something about this dried chicken that yeah. she made. My wife has always had some issues getting moist <laughs> chicken made, right? It really? always, I don't know, she's paranoid about food poisoning, hey, but, but when she cooks legit. it, man... She cooks it big time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she goes the distance, <laughs> right? She will cook that thing until, you know, you've you got to bring a gallon of water to the table just to get through the meal. So she's actually gotten a lot better in the recent years. Yeah, so anyways, back in the day, I'd say, she'd say, oh, you know, I, I made you some chicken. And I'd say, oh, can, can you just go ahead and bring me three gallons of water to the table? <laughs> and then it was one of those comments that I made one time where she says, you know, I'm not a team guy. And I kind of laughed and I said, oh my gosh, look what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm treating her like a team guy. And she's not a team guy. She doesn't need to be treated like that. So I just put myself in check and got myself under control and treated my wife like the good person that she is. So there's that. There's communication. It's, and this is, this is a weird thing because everyone's going to say communication. But my point here is don't expect communication. Right, don't expect to be one of my buddies. Was married, and we were going on deployment. This is a long time ago. He was married. He had three three kids. Been married to you know married his high school sweetheart. Blah blah blah. And he lived in Coronado, where where the SEAL teams are. He lived there, and his wife. He lived there with his wife. And one day he dropped off his car. He had to get his car worked on or something like that. And he said. This is we'd been at the SEAL teams for five years. He's married the whole time. Been at SEAL team one. And one time he says to his wife, hey, you know, he calls her and says, hey, can you come pick me up? Because we got to go somewhere, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, yeah. She says, where are you? He goes, I'm, I'm at the team. And she goes, where is it? And Coronado, by the way, is only like a mile long. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it was a classic example of he never told his wife even where the buildings were or what he did or anything like that. And that's just mm-hmm. the way it was. And a lot of successful seal marriages that I've seen, there's not a lot of, hey, this is what I did at work today, and hey, this guy's a jerk, and hey, we're trying to make this happen, and hey, I got in trouble for this. There's none of that. There's just like work, and then there's what we have, right? Mm. And I think that you gotta separate those two, but what I'm saying is, this idea of communication happening all the time, it's not gonna happen all the time. It's not gonna, and I don't even know if it's, I don't think it's beneficial. When I was overseas, I wouldn't call my, you could you could call your wife you know, basically every day if you wanted to. I didn't call my wife every single day. Mm. I don't wanna call my wife every day. Mm. It makes time slow down, it doesn't speed it up. Just mm. don't call, call like once a week. That's what I did, call my wife once a week. Mm. Hey, how you doing? I'm fine, how's everything at home? I would just ask her questions about home. Didn't didn't tell her anything that was going on ever, mm-hmm. and just said, "Oh yeah, how's this? Oh yeah, did you get the you know how's the car and did you get the water heater fixed and how's the kids doing in school and blah 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 blah." Ask mm-hmm. her questions because mm-hmm. otherwise you're going to start talking about your world and then that's going to make them worried and concerned and everything else and you don't want that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So you don't need to talk to somebody every single day. That you do. You, that's neediness. That's emotional. Uh, That's what I was talking about earlier with With being emotionally Independent right Mm -hmm. you got to be Independent you can't need that like security Of hey Mm -hmm. call me And talk to me no actually I'm not going to Call you I'm not going to talk to you You go do your thing I'm doing my thing Mm. Um You know, on top of that, I think it's cool if you want to set some goals, you know, together, make a little team, you know, you're trying to make some things happen, you're trying to make some financial goals or some family goals or some house goals, you know, we want to get new carpet, want to put some new wallpaper up, whatever, you know, want to add a, you know, just do stuff and and make those goals, maybe make some jujitsu goals together, that's Mm -hmm. always good, my wife, was really good at jujitsu. She's kinda stopped training when she started having babies every eighteen months and all that. <laughs> sure. What but you know, we we used to have a blast training jujitsu all the time. Yeah. So I obviously recommend the jiu jitsu to help all relationships. <laughs> yeah. Uh, working out together is another good one. You know, even if you can't get the jiu jitsu together, you can you can you can just work out, you know, work out together yeah. and that's cool. And then you gotta give each other some space. Right, Got to give each other some space. The guy, the guy, he's a team guy. He's a special operations guy. He's going to hang with his friends sometimes, and that's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. that. That's the way things work. And you know what? She's going to go do the same thing. So that's okay. Um, yeah. So I think those are the main things. You know, JP, when JP was on here, he, he made a good point of put, put each other first. Yeah, right? That was Pretty good. simple point. Yep. That goes a long way. Yep. That goes a long way. Yeah, which is contrary to what I said, which is like the team is going to come first. But that's your job. Yeah. And I think you can still put your team as the number one priority and doing your job as your number one priority because that's that's the thing. I said this a million times, right? Hey, listen, darling. The reason I have to do my job well is because this is what we do. We fight and guys are going to be trying to kill us. Mm -hmm. So the best thing I can do for our relationship is stay alive yeah so that means and and not only that but I got these guys that also need to stay alive for their wives so we're gonna work hard we're gonna train hard we're gonna play hard we're gonna know each other better we're gonna we're gonna bond and all those things are gonna happen and that's how I can best support this family is by kicking ass at my job mm-hmm. and m- if you're a smart wife you'll go that makes sense to me yeah. and it'll be okay so in putting your job as the number one priority you're actually supporting the family and you're you're putting your your spouse first Mm -hmm. because you're trying to take care of yourself take care of your team so that you can come home when when it's time to come home
1: yeah yeah jp made it i mean the the put each other first that's kind of like a like dated it's like you got to remember that you know 'Cause you know how like if yeah. you're on you're on
0: two different pages, you know. Oh yeah, you gotta put you gotta you gotta remind yourself yeah. daily.
1: Yeah. But man, it helps. It helps a lot. Have you have you, have you been doing that lately? Implema- Implementation. I liked how J I like how JP put it. You know, we just put each other first. It's yeah. real, like, dang, that kind of resonated. Hmm. I don't like using that word, but it resonated, you know. Why where, don't you like using that word? I don't know. You know those words, you know certain words just sound
0: dumb coming out of your mouth? Is that one of them?
1: In my opinion, yes. it comes
0: sounds out of anyone's. No, mind? out of my. my I think I no. sounded pretty good, actually. Oh, thanks, Paul. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that was a good one. Good luck. Uh, by the way, good luck uh, to these guys that are trying to get in the special operations community. It, obviously, I loved it, and it was awesome for me. And I'll tell you, my wife, that was definitely hard. Man, it was a hard. It's a hard path, and when your husband's over on deployment. And you're home, and guys are coming home wounded, or guys are getting killed overseas. That that's that's gonna be that's hard, and that's one of the things that I talk about the strength of the spouses and the independence and to be able to deal with those hardships when they come. That's real stuff. And mm-hmm. so to the to the women out there that support these guys, God bless you.
1: Yeah, that that point you made where you. you I think it's probably just habitually a little bit when you treat your wife like a team guy, you know, mm-hmm. like how because that's how you're used to like bonding yeah. with people you like, you yeah, know. So yeah. in a way, it's yeah. like it's good. Yeah, you know, I, I treat think you like it's good. good. Yeah. yeah, man, it's not a it's not a one way street, man. No. You can't can't be doing that. I do. I, I had the same thing because that's how me and my brother we just uh, that's it. The yeah, whole thing is so like so you can make the, make the funniest joke about the other guy, yeah. you know. And then so Sarah was like our friend mm-hmm. before we got together. So she kind of and she would she didn't like that even from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But once you're kind of like. In the relationship, she kind of got a lot of, and she constantly, constantly like, like, I'm not your, you know, and of course.
0: I'm not your brother. Yeah. I'm not your brother. I'm not
1: your friend. Like that kind, you know, but, but of course, if you're not looking at it as like a two-way street, you're like, wait, wait, you should be happy. I'm treating you like this.
0: You know, this is my way of showing affection. (laughs) Exactly right. You should be happy, right?
1: No, no, no. That's a different person you're talking about. You know, anyway, next question. BJJ question one
0: BJJ Q one? I don't know. It does mean question one, yes
1: oh, There you go What's the best ratio of drilling to sparring? And question two is What do you do If you roll with someone new to jiu-jitsu And they're over-aggressive Like the beast took over <laughs> And they want to hurt people I don't think they really do But the adrenaline rush takes uh, experience to manage Um, What's a good, what's a good approach on, you know, on the mat to let them know that they're being reckless and wasting energy without sounding like a douche.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So question one, the ratio of drilling to sparring. uh, I'm probably not the best person to ask this question because I like to roll. Nobody's the best person to ask that question. Maybe, but I like to roll and I should probably drill more, but I like to roll. The rolling is the funnest thing. I, we were training yesterday and we got done training yesterday and we were sitting there we were watching some other people train and stuff. And I was like, man, I just love jiu-jitsu, it's so fun. <laughs> Will yeah. we do an hour of rounds? Yeah. And so I just got done and, and I said, man, jiu-jitsu is so fun. It's so fun mm-hmm. and uh, so I like to roll. And drilling is not as fun, right? When yeah. I said, yeah, we did rounds, that means we were just rolling. For those of you that don't train, well, first of all, go train, go find a place to train. Mm-hmm. And by the way, all these people that ask me questions about if they should train or y- yes, yes, you should train. Yeah. you got a million different reasons why you shouldn't train. Mm-hmm. Like what was the one you just responded to somebody on social media that said, you know, hey, what if the only option I have is a place with just white belts? All white belts,
1: even the instructor. Uh,
0: even the instructor's a white belt. Is it worth it? Yes. Yeah. It's worth it. Go on YouTube. You can learn a billion different moves on YouTube and go start rolling with these other white belts and you guys are going to get better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't matter what the belts are. So... You know whether you're that person or whether you're the person that says, "Hey, I can only make it once a week because I travel." Go once a week. Yeah, there you go. If you're the person that says, "Hey, man, I got you know this knee injury and uh, I can only uh, roll like one day before it gets too sore." Okay, roll one day. And you know what? If you can't, doesn't mean you have to. Every time you get on the mat, you don't have to go psycho. Yeah. Right. Which is what we'll, I guess we'll get to that question. <laughs> but yeah. if you can't roll super hard. Then just roll a little lighter and roll what you can. And we get guys, some of our really dedicated jujitsu guys, they get hurt. They still come and train. Yep. Mm-hmm. They can't even roll, but they'll come and hey man, let, just let me just work my whatever I can do. Let me work my arm lock. You know, I, that's the one motion I can do, so I'm going to work that. And that's cool. Um, so I think you should drill more. I think I should drill more, but I just like to roll so much. And I'll tell you, I think this does change a little as you get better because. I mean, obviously a black belt doesn't need to drill as much as a white belt does because a white belt has a lot more moves to learn. Mm -hmm. But everybody should drill more. And I think if I was to say something like probably a third of the time you should be drilling, maybe, I'll tell you something else. You learn a new move, drill it until you're good at it. Then you won't need to drill it anymore. And the other thing about drilling is, and drilling is awesome, drilling also, I could drill a move 15,000 times drill only mm-hmm. and when I go to roll with somebody I won't be able to do it. Yep. It doesn't mean you'll be able to do it. Yep. In fact, I still got to do it a hundred more times live against another real active human yep. before I can pull the move off. That's the way it works. Yep. Occasionally, there's a few moves that either they are that simple or you have a natural ability to do them. That does happen sometimes where yep. like occasionally I'll get, I, there's some moves that just make sense to me. Yep. Right? And I've always, as soon as I learn them, I can do them. Yeah. that's rare i mean it's it's that happens 10 percent of the time most of the time i learn something and i try it and i get stuffed and then i got to try it again and i got to make my own little adjustments to it and then i got to do it again and then it, yeah, that's the way jiu-jitsu works mm-hmm. so drill a bunch all right quick question two someone that is going level seven psychopath on the mats is <laughs> seven
1: and, the highest level mm, 10 right I guess, but seven is still. Pretty we're high. not 100 percent sure <laughs> what the highest level is. I don't think it's been seen it's yet. Not, it's not level one. That's yeah, it's point. definitely not level yeah. one.
0: This guy is g- above normal psycho level. Uh, I'll say this: well above <laughs> normal psycho level. So, first of all, if you're a higher belt, you just shut them down, right? You just shut them down, smother them. I, I, I like to, if I get someone that's going really super crazy, I, I will, I will immobilize them mm. to where they cannot move. And I will let the rage drain out of them. (laughs) I'll just let it drain out of them. And I'll, you know, just let the rage drain out. And then I'll submit them. And then I'll submit them again. And I'll just do that over and over again. And then I'll probably just, you know, have a little chat with them. Like, hey, man, you just relax a little bit. Because all that that going crazy is not helping you get better at what we're trying to do here. Mm -hmm. Now... When you tell somebody to relax, you tell them don't use strength. Of course, those are the things that no one can actually apply. Right? Mm-hmm. Very seldom can someone say, you, "Yeah, I can say, hey man, just relax," and they go, "Oh, okay, okay. cool." And then you yeah. have a nice roll. Them. <laughs> no, it doesn't happen. Not, they go even harder. Yeah. <laughs> well. So that's what you're gonna do. You eventually just keep wearing them down and say, "Hey man, you know, I'm telling you, you got to relax. You're not gonna see. You're not gonna see as much if you're so g- going psycho." Mm-hmm. Now. So that's if you're a higher belt, that's what I do. Control them, put them, you know, force them to accept their fate. And that will help them move down the path towards relaxation. Now, if you're a lower belt, you can either fight to the death which is fine and kind of join <laughs> in their mayhem and if you want to do that that's okay or you can work your technique right and get dominated so so guy comes in and he, you know you two are about the same level but he's a lot stronger than you and he's going crazy and you and you just go okay you know what i'm just gonna work my technique the best I i can and i'm not gonna escalate this mm-hmm. and you know what you're gonna get tapped out because you guys are at the same level but he's using all the strength and you're not now you're gonna get better at jujitsu, but you're not gonna notice that for a while yeah yeah that's true so what happens you get caught up in their ego trip and you start going just as hard as they're going and that's the way it works. Now, if mm-hmm. you can just say, you know what, I'm just going to keep relaxing with this guy and eventually I'm going to learn more than him and that will happen. You will learn more than the person that's going psycho and then you can put them to tap. <laughs> uh, so, you know, also as I was, uh, uh, Tim Ferriss sent some email out the other day and it had a quote on there from Leo Tolstoy and it said everyone thinks of changing the world but no one thinks of changing himself mm-hmm. right and and I was like hmm, that's interesting and I immediately thought of jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. because I try and explain this concept to people in jiu-jitsu and that is when you're going especially against someone that's bigger than you or stronger than you or someone that's going crazy and they're using all of their muscles, the way this translates in jiu-jitsu is, in jiu-jitsu, everyone thinks of moving the other person, mm-hmm. but what you need to focus on is moving yourself.
2: No.
0: And there's some really clear examples of this, and, but this is just translates into life. It translates into life, you know. It's, this is what flanking is, mm. right? If I come up against you and you got a big ego and you're not budging on anything, I'm not going to continue attack that way. I'm not going to try and move you. I'm going to move myself yeah. into a better position. So I thought that was a good thing to think about when you're rolling with somebody that's big and going crazy.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good thing to think about all day, every day, about everything. Especially okay. the, you know people who are agree who are like, hey, oh, man, I need a job. And that's, you know, that's nothing. This is nothing new where it's, dang, I need a job, you know. Dang, there's no jobs out here or whatever. And that's kind of an example of that, you know, where don't look at it like a job needs to be presented to you, you know. You have to kind of. You need to maneuver. Yeah, yeah. Change yourself so, you know, you can do the work that
0: people need. Concur. Don't move the world. Move yourself. Don't try and move your opponent. Move yourself.
1: Yeah. The guy, um,
0: or drilling and sparring. You were kind of trying to move me a lot yesterday. FYI. Oh, I moved you a lot. You you were trying to move (laughs) me a lot. (laughs) Whatever. You were coming with a really aggressive, really aggressive methodology, I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. Default. (laughs) The default (laughs) aggressive. The, The drilling. Um. In my experience, if you ask different people, I thought you were getting frustrated. I was, and 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 I saw. I was like, okay, he's getting frustrated, and I thought to myself, he's getting frustrated at me. (laughs) Yeah, and the reason I was like, I I I almost fell into your game psychologically because Mm -hmm. as we're rolling and you're getting more and more frustrated, so you're being more aggressive, and part of your, it seemed to me, part of your frustration and your aggression was that I was. Not fully disengaging, but I was not getting into this game that you were in. Mm-hmm. And as I saw that you were going to keep coming with this, and I, and, and I said, well, I, you know, I, I don't want him to get frustrated, you know, at me. So maybe I'll play this a little bit. And then I said, oh wait, I'm I'm truly actually doing jujitsu, right? Yep. I'm doing jujitsu. I'm just straight doing jujitsu. I'm yep. not. I'm totally not getting into this uh, headbanging competition. No, I'm gonna be over here. Yep. I'm gonna be over here. So I thought that was.
1: Isn't that kind of wet Not black? It's actually really good how that worked. Because if you remember, I kind of started to lose it mentally. Not like temper-wise or nothing, but a like bit. basically I, there's, like a, there's like a little small short list. I don't know if you know this. I've mentioned this, but not in this depth. There's a small list of things that I'm working on with you. Mm-hmm. There's like a small thing like where if I can remember to do this, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, because... Yeah you're the kind where like you to defend a certain thing, you got to focus really hard in defending it. Mm -hmm. But the the, the drawback to that is when you start like really focusing on defending it, all it takes is one little. Yeah. (laughs) So there's like a few things that it's like, dang, I got it. It's like a balancing act. I don't want to forget here. I don't want to forget here. You know? So it's like that. And a lot of times, and it's, it's by my own evaluation. It's Mm -hmm. not based on like X, it's in my own head. Like, okay, like I feel good about this is coming along, you know, kind of thing. And, whether you notice this or not towards towards the end like it, it might have, like it was just done gone the whole my whole thing it was just gone yeah it was all just blind uh, rage <laughs>
0: and that's what i was truly thinking i was thinking i was thinking he's getting mad at me but i'm really doing actual like yeah the purest form of jujitsu, which is hey you keep coming with all that and i'm just gonna keep yeah. adjusting and making other things happen yeah, that like you this, don't like.
1: It's like it's like this cycle, you know. <laughs> oh, that was fun. But yeah, it was good though overall thinking back. Yeah. The the drilling um it, different people have different philosophies on on drilling yep. and cuz I mean like surfing, you know, like okay, when you drill a move, it's like, hey, okay, do the armbar, you know, do the whole yep. transition to the armbar mm-hmm. and and you know, just drill that. When you first learn the armbar, it's going to have more value because you have to just know the fundamental movements of the armbar. Just like how you said, like, we, it's going to be different when you do it live, do it live. Yeah. So once you kind of get the fundamental movement of the armbar, your legs got to be here, they got to yep. do this certain thing, your arms position, his thumb, all this, all that stuff. Once you kind of get that down, it's like then you step into the value being now you gotta know when to do it, how to so do it, you know.
0: I, I don't know if I've ever said this uh before on the podcast. I've said it when I've taught when I teach jujitsu, and this is something I say. Okay, there's let's say ten things that you have to do right to make a move work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ten, you gotta put your arms here, you gotta put your hips here, you gotta put your grip here, whatever those ten things are that you gotta do. Mm-hmm. I can teach you about four of them. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I can teach you five. Maybe. Jeff Glover or Dean or or a good instructor can teach you six or seven, maybe even eight of those components. Mm -hmm. There's two more components. You're only going to figure out on your your own. You're only going to figure out where to distribute your weight by yourself. You're only going to distribute how to time what the execution of the move is by yourself. You're only going to figure out how to feel what the other person and when they're vulnerable to the move. You're only going to get those by doing it live. Uh, uh, Only going to be doing it. Getting it by doing it live. So those are the components, and I, you know, there's more than ten. Actually, there's probably Uh, like uh, eighty. Yeah, that's little components that you have to do, and and what's cool is when you really focus on a particular move, you have you have all these components just lock solid. And when someone's really good at a certain move, yeah, they they, they just like there's there's so there's they've been in that situation so many times. Yeah, they've been in that situation so many times that. It, it doesn't matter. They You're doing something, they already thought of that. They've do, they've been in that position. Like there's a position in jujitsu, for those of you that don't know, there's a position in jujitsu called 50-50, which we originally called Kakareko, which Dean kind of, I would say, started because he did it in ADCC in 2003. And it was a position that we were doing all the time at that time, but no one else was doing it. Mm-hmm. And now a bunch of people do it. Ryan Hall's made it famous, and he's yeah. the one. I think he coined, I don't know who coined the phrase 50-50, but... He's got an academy called 50-50. Yeah, been there. It's good. Nice. So, so But it's a position where you're fairly neutral. Your leg positions are neutral, so you're, you have the same leg position. And so it's who knows the position better will win. Mm-hmm. And so this position that they call 50-50 now, which we used to call Kakareko, uh, it's actually Dean calls it 90-10. <laughs> Meaning, <laughs> hey, I, I yeah, I have a ninety percent chance or You have a ten percent chance because I've spent months yeah. sitting in this position. So when you get someone that really knows a position well, that puts you a, it, that puts you at a massive disadvantage if you're going against them. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because you guys both know the drilling part of it, right. you know, but right. he knows he knows the the one million different other elements in life like surfing. You know, like, you know when you first take surfing, they're like, hey, you know, let's do it on the sand. When there's, there's, it's just, that's basically drilling. Oh yeah, yeah, you're drilling and then, standing up and yeah. paddling. Then you gotta go out to the actual waves. <laughs> yeah. And man, the waves, that's, you know, it's different. It's a little it's different. Just way different. And
0: again, these principles from Jiu Jitsu, uh, they apply to everything that you're doing. And when you're going through a leadership situation, if you've seen it before, if you've seen this kind of person's attitude, it's like, like I just told that story about, hey, you see a guy that's learned something, the first way he learned it in the SEAL teams is the way he believes it should always be. Mm-hmm. Once I had experienced that, it was much easier for me to handle. Yeah, you know. So anytime you can open up your mind and pay attention to what's going on around you, it's going to make you better at handling all these different situations that you come across in any environment. Yeah. Yeah. absolutely leadership environment. You get the person with the giant ego. You get the person that's that, that wants to take over. You get the person that's scared to step up. You get all those things. You get someone that's being disrespectful. How are you going? Oh, I've had that before. Let's right. just go. Let me approach it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. the more you get to handle these different positions or the more you can research them and drill them because the drilling does pay off. Yeah. You know, that's what all this gathering of trying to gather knowledge from various books, and when you see something in a military situation, like I see all these things in a military situation, I go, oh, okay. Oh, I see what they did here. Oh, I see what Hackworth did here. I see what Patton did here. Now, I'm no Patton. I'm no Hackworth, but at least I have a heads up. Yeah, at least up. I've seen yeah. this scenario before. I've I've gone through a mental drill of how it got handled. Now, there's components that I need to figure out on my own.
1: Yeah.
0: But... I've got the bulk of the move there. Yeah, I recognize what's happening. It puts me in a a little better situation than having no idea what's happening and just getting flanked. <laughs> potentially,
1: yeah, very and potentially. The, and the guy getting nuts, rolling the spaz mm-hmm. is the name for that guy, by the way. It's it's a spaz. Yeah, white belt warrior. Yeah, sure. There's that. I think that's overall just kind of part of the game. There's so many different ways to like deal. I mean, as a higher yeah. belt, I mean, you, you kind of, I mean, I don't think you have the curse of knowledge, but you're, you've been a high belt for a long time. So
0: my, accent, are you talking me personally yeah. as an individual? Yeah. Yeah. So okay.
1: when you get a guy who's like, when you first start, like my memories of first starting and going with big, big strong oh, yeah, yeah. guys who are getting nuts, it's, it, it is hard to deal with man straight up. Like, yeah. So, and if you're smaller, Mm. It's even you
0: know it's even yeah. harder, and you could go oh man, jujitsu doesn't work right if you don't if you're a blue belt and you get a two hundred and if you're a hundred and sixty pound blue belt mm-hmm. and a three hundred or a two hundred and eighty pound college wrestler comes in yeah and it's his first day you're not going <laughs> to be able to hand, you there's a very good chance you might be able to catch him you might be able to catch him yeah but it's no guarantee
1: no it's unlikely to th- I mean yeah
0: it's it's hardcore
1: yeah. Yeah, and that's part but, but you that, might be able to slap a little guillotine on.
0: Yeah. Well maybe a blue belt might be a little challenging. Purple yeah. belt you now purple belt. Yeah, yeah. You little start different, to different ball game. see the holes. Yeah. Which
1: is, yeah. But those and yeah, if you're and I'm just completely speaking just from experience and thinking of it right now, but there are little things that you'll see come forward, like little tactics you can use to someone who's just bigger, stronger and spazzing. Mm-hmm. Little tactics you and not to say that you'll like, you know, end up tapping them out or whatever, but certain things that will be successful in your situation. So, all you do is you, you kind of remember those things, kind of mm-hmm. work on that and wait till you see the next little thing. Okay. And then, after a while, as your game develops, it'll be like, oh, shoot, you have this handful of things that works on these types of guys. Yeah.
0: You know, Glover, he, he, he's he like, does best against, he goes, yeah, guys that are big and strong are, you know, sort of his, his game matches really well against them, against yeah. Jeff. Yeah. Because he's just so fluid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Jocko, like yourself, I tend to have low opinions slash expectations of people. My question is, how do you act friendly with someone when you know they're trying to play passive-aggressive power games with you? (laughs) Say, Say you know a person and you know he's a snake, but social and work situations demands and expects that you act like their friend. How do you reconcile that within your mind? Is that Or is that not being fake? I know you're going to say play the game, but <laughs> but do I really have to play these snake games just to get ahead in the world?
0: All right. So first of all, from the first part of that, this this blanket statement that I have a low opinion of people is actually factually not true. I, I don't come out of the gate with a low opinion of people. That's actually mm-hmm. not true. I have high hopes for people that they're gonna do well, but I don't have expectations that they're gonna perform. There's a difference there, right? Mm -hmm. I don't view people in a low, my opinion of people is not low, out of the Mm -hmm. gate, Mm -hmm. but I don't layer heavy expectations on them because that's unfair. So that's number one. Um, I set the bar low so people can pleasantly surprise me, but believe me, I don't have a low expectation or a low opinion of people. now. The question, yes, you absolutely called it and what I was going to say, play the game, right? Yeah, Yes, that's what you're gonna do. Now, let me let me put it this way. You got snakes, okay? If you don't learn to play with the snakes, you're never gonna get the anti-venom from their fangs. right? You're never gonna get them figured out. And if you don't figure out how to get the anti-venom, the snakes are always gonna own you. So you got to learn how to deal with snakes. I had a kid when I was a Team 2, kid from Arkansas or something, and we were out in the hills somewhere and there was a rattlesnake. And he grabbed that thing like he was picking up a a pair of socks. It was like no factor. Boom, walked over, picked up the snake, whacked it against the tree. I said, okay, (laughs) this dude knows how to deal with snakes. And it's the same thing here. People are snakes. Does that mean you just avoid them and you're not going to play the game? And the worst thing, you know what you don't do with a snake? Is you don't walk over and get all like intimidate them and get in their face. And so it bites you yep. and, and poisons you, right? So yes, you got to play the game. People like this exist, right? And, and so let's say, let's take a, uh, let's say you take the moral high ground <laughs> and you refuse to work with and accept and be humane with these snakes, okay? If that's what you do, Now, guess what? Now the snakes don't like you. Now they see you as a threat, and now they attack. And like I said, this is when they bite and they poison and they kill you. And what good are you now? You're dead. So you can't help anybody when you're dead. You can't achieve your goals. You can't help the team. You can't accomplish the mission. Because you are on the moral high ground. Now, let's say that you learn to play the game. You learn how to handle those snakes like that young boy from our, from Arkansas. You learn their moves. You get the antidote. You get the anti-venom for their poison. And you actually, in this process, you become immune to their attacks. And you reach a point where they actually don't attack you because they're familiar with you and they trust you. And when that happens then you can overcome their weapons, you can rise up, you can get control of them, and you can utilize them for your own purpose, right? Now, if that purpose was something that was self-centered or something that was for your own good and not for them or not for the team, then it'd be a form of manipulation and it'd be pretty negative. But if all you're doing is trying to get these snakes on board with the program to help the whole team win, we got no issue with that. We got no moral issue with that. I got no moral issue with me treating people nicely to try and get them on board with the program so that they can help our team win. I got no issue with that, mm. moral or otherwise. So that's the answer, I think. You know, when the time is right, you, you be nice to those snakes when the time is right. You put that little stick with the noose around the end of it. You put it around <laughs> their head and, and, sure. you, and you collect their venom. And you can use snakes to do things like kill rats, right? Snakes can be used for some kind of good at some point. Now, I know it's hard, right? I know it's hard. And is it being fake? Maybe it is. Maybe that is being fake. But you're doing it for the good of the team. So, again... It's not for personal game. That's a huge difference. And also, if you think about this idea of being fake, if you would be nice to people to help the team win, then isn't that actually you? <laughs> right? <laughs> so how can you be fake by being you? Right? If my if what I do is, hey, I, I help people and I get in their head and I'll, I'll be nice to them so we can win. Mm. If I do that, that's me. That's not being fake. That's actually what I do. Yeah. That's not being fake. So... I think regardless, in the end, it is something you have to do. You do have to play the game, um, and that is how you're going to help your team win. And it's also, if you want to get those snakes to come over to the light and get away from the darkness, you're not going to do it by trying to kill them. All you're going to do is offend them and they're going to attack you. Like I said, if you show them a good example, if you're productive. And when you get all that stuff done and you accomplish your mission and what you do is you say, hey, it wasn't me that accomplished the mission. It was the snakes. They did it. <laughs> you know what? Those snakes start to stand upright. Mm-hmm. They start to de- defang themselves. And they mm-hmm. start to realize that maybe they can do some good out there too.
1: I like the snake analogy. Hey, he started it. <laughs> yeah. That, um, oh, commentary, like, w- <laughs> go. no, 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 what way you're saying, you know, how you slowly build that relationship, or whatever yep. that part's hard because it takes like time. It takes, it takes time.
0: All- but harder than time is it takes the stomach. Right? Yeah. 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 You, exactly. You, you got the guy that you know is a slimy guy. That's yeah. just looking out for himself. And you gotta go. Hey man, what's going on? Yeah. Hey Bill, what's happening? Yeah. Good to see you. Yeah. And hey. The- yeah. No good. Yeah. Didn't I, uh, I had a great weekend. Thank you. Yeah. How yeah. was your weekend? Yeah know, so you're in that mode and you got to gut through that yep. because, you know, you're a good person. Right. Right. I think.
1: <laughs> right. Right. I think. Yeah. Especially passive aggressive. Like that can be tough. Cause a lot of times it's way easier if I'm like, if I, if I l- launch a yep. confrontation against you, right, it's way right. easier mentally to be like, okay, we're in a little battle right mm-hmm. now. It's easy. But if I just do like one little dig and then kind of walk away or something like that, it's like, oh man, that can be way more like it. Trying on your mind on your patience yeah. You know and then when you f- when you Battle through that right or the idea Of I got to battle through this okay This is gonna be hard just you know mentally whatever I got to battle through that oh But guess what you got to do that for a long
0: time That one yes. time that, that yes. you
1: think That was hard all right well you got to keep on It's doing a that.
0: continual seething Evolution yeah, that that's happens makes over hard. and over again It does make it challenging but I think if you just Know this if you know if you can see The light you the know what you can, can do tongue? too and I hate To use this word because it seems to be a trendy word right now, you got to gamify it a little bit. You know, when somebody does something passive aggressive to me, I'm yeah, like, oh, they can, they can. score! I'm gonna have fun with this. Yeah. Hey, you're right. That was a really good job that your team did over there. You know, yeah. when they say the little dig at me, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think you guys did fantastic. I didn't foresee that at all. Yeah, you're you're crushing it. Just li- yeah. I, I say, oh, oh, that hurt. But guess what? I'm gonna win in the long run. Yeah. I just won a little battle against you. Yeah, and you know, don't let these little things. Bo- don't let the little things bother you. <laughs> I man, know, think bro. about the big stuff. I you know, got big bro. stuff to worry about out there. Bro. You can't let the little things bother you. And are you on the right path? If you're trying to do the right thing for the right reasons, man, it's all good. It doesn't matter what else is going yeah. on. I'm good with it. And that's it, Deal and that's what I mean stuff. by
1: the by kind of the light at the end of the tunnel. Like you, you know. Like you know that's where I'm going. This is just part of the thing. You know, I see the whole path kind yes. of thing. And it just makes it easier when you kinda of know that. But <laughs> when you're at that time, Passive aggressive is the worst, man. The kind where...
0: I, see, see you talk about passive aggressive being the worst. I don't... Uh, this is not like this thing that bothers me. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't... It's never been a big issue for me. When yeah. somebody's passive aggressive with me, I just... Okay, cool. I yeah. see the game we're in. I'm going to play Yeah, it. I'll see, play that game. I'm see, good with it. Man, see, if you can just look at it like that.
1: and Look at it like that. Yeah, man. It would make it... It would almost make it the opposite situation. Like, it would almost I th- be I pleasurable. Think
0: it does because I don't... I've never had a big issue with some guy that's being passed. I've never had that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, cool. oh I see what's a little shot right there. You know what? I'm going to throw some credit at him. I'm going to flank them. Yeah. They're going to be good. not yeah. worried about that person. That person's not really secure in the first place. Right. And they're sort of one of these slimy snakes, right, that yeah. are trying to make things happen. That's okay. I'll just, just help them. Help them out. You know what? You're trying to be passive aggressive. I'm bring you out in the open. Bring you out in the clear. <laughs> not, enough, not in an offensive way. Right. But you know what? I think you're right about that. Yeah. I think you could do a better job here. Come on and help my team or whatever. Yeah. Because when they're doing that, what are they attacking? Your ego. You're they're attacking your ego. So if you just get over that thing and just say, you know what? No big deal. Yeah. That's good. Oh, I see what's going on here. Let's bring it out in the open. Yeah. Bring it out in the open. Expose the ambush and just say, Hey buddy, oh yeah, we're good. Let's start, let's let's move forward together as a team. How how's that sound? I'm I'm down. I think, to contend I with, it, it for is, Echo Charles. Yeah,
1: oh, You know what? And I'm thinking about this. I'm like, yeah, that sounds so easy. But you know what? I realized it's one like I care about the person and they'd be passive aggressive. Like or if I care about like their opinion or I, did something. did I say like that this. you had
0: to offend them? No, no, it,
1: no, 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 no. It's not not in that way. Not in the way where like I might offend them. But okay. like if like you care about what they think, you know, OK, and they're like, what's yeah. wrong with that? I guess nothing. There's nothing but I guess the, maybe that's where my sensitivity to it is. I mean, coworkers, maybe in a, I haven't had coworkers in a long time. Well, I guess you're a coworker, but you're not passive aggressive, but nonetheless, I'm I straight can straight aggressive. See aggressive. <laughs> yeah, you're more <laughs> aggressive, not passive. <laughs> Maybe it would be in a situation like maybe a coworker situation would be the kind of situation that I'm like thinking about where people will be more sensitive than it's. You just know what? Person.
0: Actually, the other day you and I had a conversation. You might have been being passive aggressive. No, maybe <laughs> you. We were t- we were trying to do yeah, something, right. and you said, "Hey, you know, I'm just not sure if this is like really something we should do." And I was like, "Cool, don't do it." <laughs> no.
1: Oh, okay, uh, okay. That wasn't passive. It's passive aggressive. That was like, um, it was different. It's like trading lightly. You know, oh, sugar okay. could, You okay. know, Maybe like sugar it, w- it wasn't necessarily tr- straight dope. Um yeah. You gave
0: me a little bit of a indication. And yeah. I like said, you know, I said, "Oh, there's something going on. Some kind of ambush here." I said, "Okay, come on out. We're yeah. good. Let's bring it out in the open because I'm good. <laughs> it's not that. Im- it's like you know, yeah. I respect your opinion. Let's go with it. No yeah. factor. Make yeah. that happen. That was good. That's how I roll." <laughs>
1: yeah passive aggressive is, is the kind where um like you know if if i'm mad at you for something mm-hmm. and then i'm like nope all good but meanwhile my body language is saying yeah you know, it's like that kind of is stuff. that even passive aggressive? yeah that really? is what passive aggressive is it's like it's like like oh it's all good but then like little digs yeah. are indicating other stuff it's like this yeah. weird thing it's yeah it's and super whack
0: want, yeah like I said, when I, when someone's being that with me, I'm going to bring them all the way yeah, up. I'm going to bring plan. them that's from good. passive to just straight aggressive yeah. so that we can get through it. Because I'm not going against – that's the thing. If we're on a team, why are we going against each other? Yeah. What's probably at, at the root there is just ego yeah. situation. Yeah, you're if you right. can put that to rest, hmm, you're good. Hard, though. Hard to put that ego in check for all of us. Yeah. Yeah, man.
1: I mean, coworkers are th- your peers, so, uh, you know, it's natural to kind of care what they think, even if you don't like them, you know? It's just, I think it's just natural.
0: Yeah, of course. People want to do a good job and yeah. and want other people to think that they're doing a good job. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. So when they start throwing jabs, it's okay. Mm. You know what? Why are they throwing a jab? Maybe you're not doing as good of a job as you thought you were, and now it's taking a little shot to your ego, so let's address it. Let's figure out what the issue is.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Huh.
0: This is like jujitsu. I've done this move. (laughs) I've seen this move before. Rock and roll.
1: Next question. What is the best case you've ever heard against extreme ownership? And what's your response? Or alternatively, are there situations where extreme ownership is the wrong answer? If you've never heard an argument against, let me propose two. Okay, one. Extreme ownership focuses too much on achieving victory through focus on strategy and tactics.
0: L- let me, before you even go there, mm-hmm. I got asked that question at the muster yeah. Is there such a thing as too much extreme ownership? Mm-hmm. And I said, Well, yes, there is actually such a thing as too much extreme ownership. For instance, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I, I actually broke it down to the fact that there's two types of extreme ownership that you're gonna have, internal and external. Mm -hmm. Internal is I own everything and I know that, but I'm not sitting here telling everyone, right? Mm. External is, hey guys, I'm gonna own this. This is me, this is mine. So you can easily see from there where you can overplay your hand of external extreme ownership. For instance, Echo, you're in charge of this project that we're doing. I want you to do it like this because I own it. Right, right. Like, like, That's obviously wrong, yeah. right? So if I'm trying to get people to do things, if I'm trying to use decentralized command and all I'm telling everyone is like, this is my project, yeah. I own it. Echo, you do this. This is your part of the project, but the project is mine, right? Does that make does that motivate you in any way? No. Okay, so we're not gonna do that. That would be too much extreme ownership. It would be too much outward extreme ownership. Mm. Now, if so what I wanna do is I wanna say, Echo, Dude, this is your project, I'm gonna set back, let you run this thing, I think you've got a really good idea and vision on how this is gonna work, and I think you could actually do a better job than I can do, so here's here's the goal that we're trying to accomplish, and if you just you know come up with a plan and, and tell me how you're gonna execute it, I'll, I'm standing by, mm. right? Now you're like, oh, Jocko, trust me to do yeah. this, that's pretty cool, right, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So now we have a good thing going. So that's, that's where I'm gonna keep my ownership internal. Mm. I'm not gonna project it on you to keep it internal. Mm. Now where this flips is the project fails. Mm -hmm. And clearly the example now becomes crystal clear because now if I use external ownership and I'm saying I I should use external ownership. And when the boss says, hey, Jocko, your team failed on this mission, I'll say, you know what? We did. I made some mistakes here. Here's what I did wrong. Here's where we made the wrong investments. I didn't allocate resources well here. My fault. We're going to get it fixed next time around. Won't happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. That's I'm now correctly using excessive extreme ownership to take ownership of the project that you actually screwed up. Sure. Now, obviously, the wrong thing would be, hey, Jocko, this project failed. And I say, oh, that's because Echo dropped the ball on this. He didn't get this done in time. And Echo's got issues over here. Now that's not good. I want to take, I don't want to use that. I'm keeping my ownership internal. I'm being lame basically. So yes, the, the, the argument against extreme ownership is yes. If you take too much ownership of a project and you're not letting your, you're not using enough decentralized command. That's why there's a dichotomy between those two. There's Mm -hmm. a dichotomy between extreme ownership and decentralized command. And if I use too much extreme ownership, when I'm trying to execute decentralized command, it's not going to work right. Yeah. Now, once a mistake happens or there's failure, that's when you step in and take ownership. And by the way, you should have taken ownership all along to make sure that the project didn't fail. But Mm -hmm. these things happen. You don't win every single time. Don't care who you are. Now, he gave a couple examples. I'll I'll let you proceed with the question, good sir. (laughs) Okay. He's going to propose two examples.
1: Okay. Extreme ownership focuses too much on achieving victory through focus on strategy and tactics, but not assessing whether war was worth fighting in the first place. Uh, For example, maybe you prioritize and execute and cover and move and institute decentralized command to become the leading buggy whip manufacturer in the country right before Henry Henry Ford releases the Model T. Or maybe you built the tightest, sharpest, most aggressive sales team in history, but the product they're selling is preying on the weakness of poor or ignorant.
0: Okay. So uh, this is Fairly simple, Uh, and in the book, Extreme Ownership, I believe chapter three, is called Believe. That is, got to believe in what you're doing. And part of believing in what you're doing is understand why you are doing and what you're doing and how it is beneficial in the world, Mm -hmm. right? So, for instance, both these examples would fail the test of believing in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. They, They would fail the test. Anyone that was in the transportation industry at the turn of the century and would understand that the buggy, the horse and buggy, was doomed when they started seeing reliable cars come out on the streets. And somebody that truly exercises extreme ownership would step up, would adapt, which is another key concept of extreme ownership, and lead the transition from buggy whips to this new technology of cars. So it's okay, it's not, you're gonna step up, you gotta make changes, that's part of ownership, is looking and assessing. Mm. The other example where you're leading extreme ownership, you're leading something that is preying on weak people, well, then that doesn't pass the test, right? That doesn't pass the test in believing what you're doing because if I'm like, hey, you know what I'm gonna get out there and do, I'm gonna get out there and prey on extreme people. (laughs) Yeah, you know, that's what I'm gonna do. Now, of course, if you have a person that's a sociopath or or doesn't care about others, is only out for themselves, and they exercise extreme ownership in order to accomplish an evil mission, well, yeah, that's going to be bad because people that people that take ownership of things can make things happen. And if their cause is evil, then that's going to be bad. It's going to be a bad situation. So, you know, the, the thing that's inherent in extreme ownership is a true understanding of the mission and belief of the mission. And the knowledge that you're doing the right things for the right reasons, which is why these two examples are, are actually Mm non-issues. And then he gave another example. What's example number two? Yeah. Example number
1: two is the time and focus commitments required to practice extreme ownership come at too high a cost to your family who didn't sign up for this for, you know, didn't sign up for this mission. Um, And in the end, the the gratification of having achieved your objective won't be worth what you've given up in your personal life. Perhaps substantial ownership, quote unquote, is a better fit for most people.
0: Okay, well, let's just not forget that extreme ownership is not just about business in any stretch. It's about life. And you have to own the outcome in life. And that inherently includes balancing between what you do for business and what you do with your family. Now, I'll tell you that we hear all the time about how extreme ownership actually saved marriages. Not hurts them, but saves them. And, you know, the husband will stop blaming his wife or vice versa. And look at themselves and see where they can improve. Instead of blaming your wife for what's going wrong, you say, oh, maybe it's not cool that I do this particular thing that I know annoys her, Mm. right? Take some ownership of that. They take ownership of the relationship and the problems in the relationship and they fix them instead of making excuses or passing the blame. So extreme ownership is going to help that family. And if you listen to the, the, the podcast with JP, with JP Danel on it, which is number forty-six. JP is taking ownership of his marriage, which they actually were divorced at the time, and applied the simple laws of combat: right, simplify, cover, and move, and and got his marriage back on track. And so, so the extreme ownership is not hundred percent focused on business; it's focused on life, and. The dichotomy is also there that I talk about all the time that you have to balance all the opposing forces. It's a chapter in the book called The Dichotomy of Leadership, right? Mm-hmm. You've got to balance these opposing forces in your world. Now, one of those opposing forces is balancing the, the the pull of your family with the pull of your work. And yeah, you can go too far in one direction. You can go so far in one direction that you lose your... You can go so work so hard and do such long hours that you lose your, that, that, that you lose your family. Mm-hmm you can also do the opposite, where you're, you don't do enough for, at work and you focus so much on your family that you lose your job. Which one of those is a good outcome? Yeah. Neither, that's why you have to balance. Neither one of those is a good out- outcome.
2: Yeah.
0: That's why you have to balance. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it's one of those things too, I, I've seen this happen with you know, friends of mine that have gone on sort of a breakdown, kind of downward spiral in their life. Mm. I think this is problematic. People start having trouble with their marriage, right? And they quit their job. Mm. And they think, oh, now I'll be able to spend more time. But now all of a sudden they don't have any money. And it turns into a disaster. And I always say, look, man, <laughs> think about this. Your job is what, how you provide for your family. Mm. So let's have a plan before we move in this direction. Mm. You got to balance. Because if you, if, you, if you throw everything... Like I just said, if you say, okay, my job's, you know, I'm too stressed out and I'm just going to leave my job and just focus on my family. Now you've got no income. You've got a whole new level of stresses coming Mm -hmm. at you because who's going to put the food on the table? Yeah. So kind
1: of like one guys, they stop working out after they get married because, oh, I got to focus on my family, my kids, you know, and they stop working out, but oh, health down,
0: you know, health down, yeah, energy down. Yeah, or, you know, you become a low energy father. We don't yeah. want that. That's bad for everybody. That's bad for the whole family. So, yeah, that's another thing. If you got, if you got your your wife or your husband is saying, hey, you know, you're working out all the time. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I don't like this. Say, hey, here's the benefits. Yeah. Do you want me to be around for an extended period of time? You want me to be alive past sixty? Yep. Do you want me to be healthy? Do you want me to be able to defend our family should there be some kind of an encounter? Yep. I know I do want to be able to defend this family. Yep. So yeah, I got to spend a little extra time on the gun range. Yeah, I got to spend a little t- extra time on the jiu-jitsu mat. Yes, I'm going to work out. That's I'm doing that. You think I'm doing it for me? I'm doing it for us. For us, yeah. I'm doing it for us. Now, of course, you got to balance that too because you yeah. can go overboard there too. Yeah. So, so working you got to be
1: careful. Like working out is not to be confused with.
0: Going to the gym, oh, so yeah, like no, there's some there's, people. There's a huge separation there.
1: Yeah, so guys will like go to the gym or even the jujitsu mat. Because let's face it, there is a big element of social. There, you know that social component in jujitsu academies mean? and stuff. Like, what do you, you mean when you go to jujitsu? Like, you there's a lot of hanging out.
0: You mean talking to other like humans? talking
1: to other people? Yeah, <laughs> you're friends. You, yeah, know it, course, you know what I mean? Of course. So uh, some people they'll be like, "Hey, I'll go to jujitsu." Meanwhile, new baby, whatever. Hey, I'm going to jujitsu, But then they'll roll for the hour, hour and a half. And then three and a half, four hours later, oh. they'll come home. Be like, hey, I was, I was doing jiu-jitsu. Here's yeah. the benefits. I'm be like, yeah, you did the jujitsu for an hour and a half. The other, for what, however long, you were cruising with your friends in the lounge drinking acai. Mm, yeah, don't do that. So don't confuse it is don't what confuse I'm saying. Like, or, yeah. you got to have balance. Or, or use it. You know how people use it. Well, I got to go. But meanwhile.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's good. And, you know, these questions... What I liked about him is he's saying, hey, you know, basically put the extreme ownership attitude into Mm. the UFC cage and let's see how it does in these problem examples. Mm. So I think uh, I think it does. All right. Or just get your home gym, you know? Yeah, I definitely recommend the home gym.
1: Jocko, do you follow stoicism? Did Zen practice lead to your thoughts about detachment
0: and ego? So I get asked these questions the other day on Twitter. And as you know, when I'm answering Twitter, I'm doing pretty terse answers because I'm answering a lot of different questions. What and is terse? Short. short. So this one I, in particular, I remember the answer, someone said, do you follow stoicism? Yeah. And I just wrote back, no. You know, no, don't. And then a while later, I get you know the thread back. And the guy come back and said something along the lines of like, you know, I don't know what it is you don't agree with with stoicism, it's very similar to what you believe, mm-hmm. or something like that, yeah. he, he wasn't being a jerk, he was just like, you know, I, you know what's, what's wrong with you? Why don't you practice stoicism? Mm-hmm. And th- here's the deal. And I'd, I'd love to come back here and tell people how learned I am. <laughs> and how well-read I am about the philosophies and the ancient cultures and the Eastern religions and all matters in the world philosophical. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, I'm not. I'm not, and actually, when I was a kid, and by the way, kid for me lasts a long time. (laughs) I mean, kid for me goes pretty recent, you know? I mean, six months ago, I kinda (laughs) considered myself a kid. But when I was a kid, the teachings of philosophers and of the ancients those that information was transmitted by academics right by teachers or by professors professors and to be blunt and frank when i was a kid there was a lot of people in that realm in the academic realm that didn't exactly command my respect now they were people that went to college. I wanted to learn from people that went to war. That's what I wanted.
2: Mm.
0: Now, the part that I missed was that many of the ancients were warriors. And their teachings were important. And through my own arrogance looking at these professors and these teachers, ah, I don't need to learn anything from that person. I'm going to go in the military. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to learn from a gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps. That's what I was thinking. But the fact is, the reading and the studying and the schooling did not really lead me to any of my beliefs or values. It it was life that did. It It was the things I experienced that brought me to this place where I am right now, not the books that I read, not the classes that I attended. And like I said, of course, part of this—a big part of this—was just my own ignorance and ego. Me saying, "What can these professors teach me?" Mm-hmm. And and that's why footnote right now, caveat or or secondary thought. Everyone out there, when you have the opportunity to learn, take full advantage of it. And I know now. Again, I know now that you can learn from anybody. Mm. You can learn from anybody. Everybody's got something to teach you, so open up your mind. And that being said, since I was too stupid and arrogant to learn oftentimes, to learn from books and teachers, I had to learn from life. And as I look now, yeah, I see similarities between again I'll use the word beliefs but I think that's a strong word but I see similarities between what I think and the other philosophical thoughts throughout the ages and I think that's partially I think that's actually not even partially I think that's because there are, really are some universal truths for humanity and for people and I think that if you walk the path of life and you pay attention to what's happening around you, and you're exposed to joy, and you're exposed to suffering, and you're exposed to love, and to hate, and to war, and to peace, I think if you have led down that path, and you have followed down that path, I think that all the paths they, they kind of arrive at some place that's fairly similar. Mm. And the term that they kind of use is this this term of enlightenment. And again, I think that's definitely too strong of a word for what I'm trying to say, but that's sort of a, a a broad term that captures it. But I think these paths, they all lead to a similar form of enlightenment. and I I don't think it really matters what terrain you went through or what specific path you took. I think that we see that the, the path looks very similar and it says the same things when you get to the end. It says to be disciplined. It says to keep your ego in check. It says to keep things simple and work hard and tell the truth and believe in what you say and what you do and treat other people with respect And when you start getting overwhelmed with emotions, you gotta detach from those. And I think that there's things like those that are just universal truths, and I think you can find them in what the Buddha said or what Marcus Aurelius said or what the Bible says or what any number of religious or philosophical teachers, I think they're all pretty similar. And I think you can learn them from those ancients. Or I think you can find them yourself. And unless you're, of course, too stubborn and arrogant to listen and hear the lessons of the past. But if you're not, I think you can get there. And that's sort of how I arrived at, again, the this story. The, The word is too strong, but the way I think, I'll put it to you that way the Mm -hmm. way I think, it's where I ended up. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get too much direction along the way. And now it's really obvious. I mean, when you look at, and I'm sure we'll do Marcus Aurelius at some point, uh, you know, because his, you know, stoic sayings are awesome. Mm-hmm. And they totally match. And I wish I would have, I wish what I would have learned about Marcus Aurelius in sophomore year in high school. I said, wow, this guy's got it together. I'm going to listen to him. He was a warrior. But I didn't do that. Why? Because the guy that was teaching me, I was saying, ah, what well, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. This guy's some teacher. <laughs> right? Yeah. There's a reason they're called teachers so they can teach you, but you got to be willing to listen and learn. Mm. So. You know, I, I always try and I've talked about this when we talked about the, the Jocko Academy, right? Mm-hmm. Having a school. I always talked about tying this thread between all this history in the world so you, so that people, so the kids can understand what it means and where it came from. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that I never made those connections mean, when I was a kid. I never yeah. made those connections in high school, you know? Mm-hmm. Even when I was going to college. I went to college, I was pretty old when I went to college for a college student. I think I was 27, mm-hmm. right? So I was a mature Allegedly, allegedly mature. I wasn't mature. No. I, you know what I was trying to do when I went to college? Get good grades. Yeah. Beat the teacher. Right. It was me against the teacher. The 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 contest was grade. I'm gonna beat you. Yeah. I wasn't saying, you know what? This guy really has a lot to show me. This guy really, I can learn a lot from this. I can apply this in my life. No, I wasn't saying that. Yeah. I was too stupid. I was too arrogant to say that. So what did I do? Studied hard, memorized what they told me to memorize. That's what I did. I wasn't, I was focused on the grade, not on the, Learning. Now yeah. I'll tell you, that's not an excuse for, oh, I'm not going to worry about the grade. I'm just going to yeah. learn. No, right. wrong answer. Yeah. I'm saying this specifically for my kids that are probably listening to this, <laughs> and they'll say like, well, dad, you know, I'm focused on the learning. <laughs> yeah. Negative. Yeah. You focus on the learning, good. You still get your A. That's what you get. <laughs> you still win. You still win. Yeah. So that's, I guess, you know, again, I'm, I'm sorry, and I think sometimes people get caught up in like, it's a... You ever heard me say, talk about um, when, when we got back, when I got back from my first deployment to Iraq, and we actually, when I was in TU Bruiser with Leif, we had a saying, it was a joke, it was a wee weeb, which stood for when I was in Baghdad, right? When I was in Baghdad, because a lot of people now, everyone had done one deployment to Baghdad, and so anytime they were having any kind of a conversation, they'd say, Well, when I was in Baghdad, and mm. we go, oh, we weeb. So you'd get some guy, <laughs> some instructor or some cadre from the training from the training detachment that'd be like, when I was in Baghdad, we did this every time. And go, oh, it's okay, it's so, a wee weeb, right? Mm. Because it's a way of saying, Oh, look to I this is this is confirmed in the past and therefore it's correct. Mm. Right? And I always said, Man, you can't say that. You can't say we weeb, right? You can't say when I was in Baghdad. You can't say, This is the way, this is I learned what you say should be able to stand on its own two feet. Mm-hmm. That's my point. So, I think a lot of times people say, oh, well, Marcus Aurelius said this, or yeah. the Buddha says this, and therefore it's, it's, it's correct. Yeah. They very well might be correct, but let's get the argument not to, not to use their quotes. Why don't you come up with something to stand on your own two feet? Yeah. Again, nothing wrong with using the guidance of the ancients, right? There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that, that's brilliant. From all these books, the Bible's got all kinds of things in it that are very impactful, great great proverbs to live by. But you know what? Where'd they come from? and why not figure out how to use them or how to, how to make them stand on their own two feet? Were you not just pointing to you know well, it says this, there it's, yeah. the book says this, Mark Aurelius said that, yeah. Buddha said this other thing. no, no let's let's develop our own. Not not develop our own, but let's make sure we test what we're saying. We yeah. believe in what we're saying. Mm-hmm. That's how I ended up where I'm at. So, you know, kind of a rough path to take. Some things in life you got to learn on your own, though. Too. Yeah, yeah. a lot. Most of the time that's the best way. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of things you got to learn only through experience. Wee weeb. Wee weeb. When I was back there... Ye- you just, just like rank, just like I can't say like Echo, I outrank you. Therefore, you will do it this way. Yeah. Just like that, I also can't say Echo. I did it this way in the past. Therefore, it's the correct way to do it. Those yeah. are equally bad arguments. Yeah. Don't do them.
1: Yeah, I hear that a lot. though when you know, especially when when I first got into reading, I well, more than I'd hear it, I'd kind of think about that, where. I could be like, hey, you know, if I come across a situation where I'm going to apply some knowledge that I learned and if I, I'm in a situation where I got to convey the the merits of mm-hmm. that knowledge, you know, it does feel weird to be like, hey, the book said it yep. this way. And more like you're just this like blind, per- like you don't really understand yep. the value of, of what you learn. You just, oh, it said to do
0: it. You know, yep. if you have to if you have to refer to the source without, if, if I just say, oh, Echo, we need to do this way because the book said this. Right. No, that's not a good answer. What you should be saying is, you know, I read this and here's why I see it apply. And here's what this book says, but this is where I think it, you know, you can use it maybe to help your, your argument, but don't let your argument rest on this thing. Yeah. yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah.
1: Know yourself. I'm going to go ahead and 100% agree with you. And I was going to say, unless that book is about putting together your computer, then you just follow the book. Mm. But when you really think about it, still, it still holds up. You should understand the computer and how it works. Yeah, I'm not going to get into that game. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) All right. Let's go one more. Okay. Let's do it. What do you do on the days when you're just not feeling it?
0: those days <laughs> those days when I'm tired or worn out or just basically sick of the grind what, what do I do on those days I go anyways I get it done even if I'm just going through the motions I go through the motions. I don't really want to work out. I work out. I I really don't want to hammer on a project. I hammer on the project. Don't really want to get up and get out of bed. Yeah. I get up and get out of bed. Now, these could be signals that you need some time off. And those signals might be right. They could be correct. But don't take today off. Not today. Wait until tomorrow. Don't, don't give in to the immediate gratification that is whispering in your ear. Shut that down. Do not listen to that little voice. Instead go through the motions lift the weights Sprint the hill work on the project get out of bed Now as an overall rule, I do not like procrastination You need to get things done But if you are going to rest That is one thing that you should procrastinate on. That's the one thing I want you to put off until tomorrow. And if when tomorrow comes, you still feel like you need to rest or you need to take a break, then okay, take it. But the chances are you won't. You won't need that rest. Chances are you will realize that the desire to rest was just weakness. It was just the desire to take the path of least resistance, the downhill path, the easy path. And by simply going through the motions, you overcame that path. And you stayed on the righteous path, the disciplined path, You stayed on the war path. Which is right where you know that you belong. And I think that's all I've got for tonight. Echo, before we go, um, is there any way that people can support this podcast? Well,
1: yes, there is actually. Um, all right. Yeah, we'll go over a couple ways. Uh, the supplements, that's more supporting yourself ultimately because you do get 10% off and you get good supplements, which is rare, mind you. But anyway, on it is the company. It's on it.com slash Jocko. That's how you get 10% off. Um, alpha brain for your brain, shroom tech for your performance, body performance,
0: Warrior bars for your stomach.
1: <laughs> yeah, bro. We. Get, um. Well, I was in. we were, My friends came over from Arizona this past weekend, and uh, I worked out or whatever. They were still cooking, so I busted out a warrior bar, and we we're cruising. And all the kids, two, two years, three years old, uh, six years old, and then they ate my warrior bars. Mm. Kids, and it's, there's a little bit of spice to it. Did then?
0: Did they then start getting after it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but in the spirit of accuracy, they had been ge- getting after it big time even before that. But um, anyway, the point there is that they do taste good. Even three-year-olds don't mind a little spice. That's how good they taste. Yeah. Not to say that you're a three-year-old if you eat them, though. They're good for it. They're warrior bars. Yeah. Buffalo meat. Gluten-free,
0: by the they way. They didn't call them three-year-olds
1: nope. bars. Nope. They didn't call them formula. They no. didn't call them that. It's Warrior Bars. Yeah, no, they're good though. Really when good. I
0: go on trips now, like I go to speak with a company or I'm going to work with, they, you know, a lot of times they provide lunch. A lot of times now, <laughs> there's Warrior Bars at lunch. Just, <laughs> that's just good. Oh, that's man, cool. that's advanced. There's, there's, they're, they're, they're fully engaged in yeah. what we're doing, which is awesome. And
1: you mentioned us training. Thank you for that, by the way. Mm. Bringing that up again. Uh, th- I was going to take some shroom tech just to be like, today's the day.
0: And I didn't. Mm-hmm. That was f- problematic. Yeah, you understand, yeah. And I also, you know, when we got done yesterday, I kind of led you in. <laughs> I said, hey, you know, man, you know what? Here's the deal. Because just for just to put this in context, yesterday, not a good day for Echo on the Mass. W- here's justice. the thing.
1: It started good. Okay. In my opinion, given my my trajectory learning
0: on okay. <laughs> Continue it wasn't Johnson. a great Thank day, you. right, for Echo on the mat. It was a day of, of, of
1: you. You know, they say either you win or you le- you learn, <laughs> bro. I <laughs> learned. learned a lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, a lot. A lot. Okay, <laughs> of so,
0: so we get done, and you know we're doing a little debrief. We got Big Andy there too, and I went over a little something with Andy. I was like, hey man, I really feel this good for you, and hey, let's do it. And I sit down next to Echo, and I said, hey man, you know, I don't know, you know today you just, you know, normally when you roll. You feel like, you know he, about this level and then today you felt about I don't know about maybe 19% <laughs> Worse, and of course he didn't have his, uh, his his rash his his podcast rash guard on mm-hmm. so I uh, He was actually thinking I was gonna tell him there was some real yeah. but Maybe there is something real there. I don't know
1: mm, no probably mm-hmm. Nonetheless, uh, yeah, so it could be attributed to one of those two things. I didn't take shroom tech <laughs> And I didn't have my rash card. So one of those is then. I yep. think, I, well, know, I like what you're doing here. Instead both. of
0: blaming me. Yeah. You're taking the blame on yourself.
1: Yeah. What's the thing? Um, a, a really good craftsman blames his tools. Yeah. yeah I yeah. think
0: that's the actual
1: saying. Anyway. Back to the shroom tech. That's a good one for performance. Uh, Alpha Brain. Good too. Anyway. it.com slash Jocko. 10% off. Support your wallet. Alleviate it by 10%. Or give it a 10% break. Yeah. There you go. And it supports this podcast. You know, it's like a circle of support. Like Onnit supports us. We like support Onnit. We think that t- technically, even if Onnit wasn't like we weren't um, sponsored by Onnit. I have Shroom Tech. I've been taking Shroom Tech from before that. So it's kind of like, you know, anyway, circle of support there. Um, another good way. Amazon, the Amazon click through. You go to the website, jockopodcast.com, click through the Amazon link. It's also in the store. Um, click through before you do your holiday shopping or any shopping. That's a really good way. The key there is to remember to do it. And it doesn't cost you anything.
0: What do you put a sticky on your computer?
1: Yeah, um, that's a really good way to support um, this podcast. does a lot.
0: Costs you nothing and provides good support. Yep. And it's really kind of invisible to you other than that little motion. So yeah. that sounds like a really good way to support the podcast.
1: It's kind of like you ever you ever watched Jeff
0: Bezos, right? That's his name, the leader of Amazon? Bezos. Jeff Bezos? Yeah. Hey, that guy seems to have enough money at yeah. amazon.com that throwing a couple shillings at the podcast here seems like a good plan to me we support that yeah yeah it's good
1: clicking through amazon is you know when you watch um saving private Ryan. yeah you know at the end when the support comes it saves everybody yeah it's not that big of a deal i mean
0: we we want the support but it's not saving people's lives
1: but it's kind of dope like that i'm saying you know anyway it's good amazon yeah click through the website that's cool for your holiday shopping or just some duct tape. Somebody sent me some Penn State duct, duct tape. Who's that? Did, did Debbie send? No, that wasn't that? Debbie.
0: That was Sarah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> One of those now so everything's covered in Penn State duct tape. Yeah.
1: I know. Speaking of which, speaking of Sarah, Armstrong. Yes. The girls' t shirts ran. I didn't announce that before. People have been, you know, in the game and, and kind of seeing them and. But yeah, okay. the girl, The girls' sh- shirts are in. They're V-neck. their shirts mm-hmm. for the women. Four colors: black, approved,
0: gray, approved, OD green, approved,
1: pink. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, pink.
0: all right.
1: Um, sorry, Brad. You got you got. What do you call it? Out outvoted. Voted out, or yeah, something. vetoed. You got vetoed. Um, you were the, literally the only one who didn't want pink. Seriously. I know it's, it's like your podcast and all this stuff.
0: Okay. Anyway,
1: they they're good, man. I think they came out good. Uh, we got some good reviews from from Ali. Ali, by the way, Ali and Cassie. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when they send the um, you know the package, they send the packages. These out. are
0: for those of you that don't know. That's the crew. Yeah. That the behind the scenes. That that packages up the packages.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they get after it like they like Ali will be. Uh, like if someone's from, I forget where, but it was like Dale King was one of them where she'll write like, go Cubs. Or, you know, like if, you, if that's your, if you're in Chicago or something, she'll be like, go Cubs. And she'll write it
0: on your Personal head. message. Yeah.
1: Like, yeah. Because she's like, you kind of feel like you know the person, you know, because really when you think about it, it's like, oh, shoot, I know how big they are because they're shirt size. Mm. I know where they live, you know, kind of thing. I mean, it's not like they're going to stalk nothing like that, but I'm just saying they, they kind of. They're not going to stalk
0: it. you, but they'll support your local <laughs> baseball team.
1: Yeah, yeah. If need be. Nonetheless, the only reason I bring it up, even they were like, dang, these are really good shirts.
0: Okay, we get the message.
1: Good. <laughs> They're pink. <laughs> They're not pink. Some are pink. Some are O.D. green. Discipline equals freedom. Women's shirts. Money. Mm-hmm. Also, of course, uh, uh, rash guards. 19-ish percent improvement. So far, holding up. That claim has been holding up. UFC fighters confirming. Jocko confirming with me when I didn't have my rash guard and I was 19% 19 less effective. (laughs) Anyway, and they happen to look really good according to the feedback I've been getting. So anyway, if you go to jockostore.com, you can look at them and look at the girls' t-shirts and the other shirts on there. If you like them, get one. Support that way represent um also hoodies yes of course hoodies are out
0: um chilly outside
1: yeah it is you know it's like a heavier weight it's not the heavy 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 heavy
0: that was four heavies i think
1: yeah it's not like snow you know two heavies well because someone emailed me i gotta remember all the people like who actually asked these specific questions but he was like how heavy is it is it um, well, it was, what was the brand? Cart, Car- Carhartt Cart, Cart, Yeah. Is it like, I, I understand a Carhartt that that's going to, you know, provide this and, you know, as far Carhartt, as warmth and heaviness, up Arctic
0: situation. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: exactly. Right. So that's a good example. So I'm like, you know, how is it comparatively? It's not that it's not Arctic conditions. It's like, like cocaine conditions. What conditions? <laughs> cocaine. What's that? Mauna Kea. How about that? It's Mauna Kea condition. What's Kokea that? Koke is a mountain on Kauai where you oh. go up. It's like, it's, it, yeah, it gets kind of If you have cold. any other references <laughs> that no one understands, that's cool. Do it. <laughs> anyway, it's like, it's almost the heaviest as far as hoodies go. But anyway, they're good. Check those out. If you like them, go ahead support that way. Grab one of those. Just keep yourself kind of warm or like, in, you know, as far as when you work out and stuff. Or just wearing them. So yeah, there it is. Um of course subscribe. YouTube, I'm putting more videos. Currently, I'm putting more. I put one the other day, I'm put one today. They're like little bite-sized like bits, you know? Because mm. sometimes you don't want to listen to the two hours, especially on YouTube. You just want to listen. How do I like recover from setbacks at work? Jocko you know?
0: Jocko McNuggets. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. So you can, you know, you can look at them for like shorter times like 3 to I don't know 8 minutes or something or if you know if you know someone who's like hey you were asking me this question remember mm. you send them that boom advice it's like shareable advice kind of thing anyway that's I like you doing there yeah so subscribe to youtube you can support that way and iTunes, of course. And oh, you got a problem?
0: Here's a two and a half hour
1: podcast. It's like when people are like, hey, I'm trying to get over this situation at work. And then they say, hey, read this book. I'm like, bro, I go to work tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need I to know now. Yes, exactly. So it's kind of the same situation with those YouTube bite size videos. Or you can just revisit the, 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 the subject matter. You know what I mean? Like mm. if you listen to Reminder. it, like, let me go read. Yeah, let me revisit Reinforce. it. Reinforce. Exactly. So there you go. And then, yeah, write a review on it. It doesn't
0: take you long to cut those things out, does it? Because I think you should just put a massive number of those out. That's yeah, my opinion. just
1: to be on there, right? Yeah. yeah, a lot of times I'll think of it in terms of like, you know how when you put out the podcast every week, it's like, ooh, the new one's on. Let me check it out. So a lot of times I just, I'm like dogmatic in that way where I just, I think just through habit, I I think of it that way. So. I'm like, okay, I'm put a bite that Wait, you, you just put one. Can't let it marinate for a little while no. before you put it in. But, if, yeah, I shouldn't think about it that way. It just needs to be on
0: there. Hey, think of it this way. Instead of thinking it that way, think of it this yeah. way. When sure. you put one out that's five minutes and 56 seconds long, five minutes and 56 late. later, later. <laughs> mom- moments later, <laughs> yeah. that someone's waiting for the next one. Yeah. So hook yeah. them up. Yeah. Take care Attention. of some people. Echo
1: Charles. All right, let's do that. i mean, um, yeah, and boom, there you go.
0: Good. Uh, a couple other things. Jocko White Tea, if you want to get some of that. It's probably probably going to be the only beverage you're ever going to want to drink. ever <laughs> again. And I think yeah. that there's a time coming in the very near future where when you go to a bar or to a club out at night to have a good time, I think in the future the only thing that they're going to be selling in the bar, in the club, In the restaurant, it's just chocolate (laughs) white tea. There's not going to be any more beer, no more whiskey, no more wine, no more poison that tastes like gasoline. I declare that those days are numbered, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's going to be time people are going to be wanting to drink something that makes you smarter instead of something that makes you dumber, something that makes you stronger instead of making you weaker, something that makes you healthier instead of making you sicker
1: dang
0: so that's why i think people are going to be on it uh amazon you can get some of that while you're also on amazon if you like this podcast and what we talked about you can get a book and this is sometimes people find the podcast and they haven't read the book extreme ownership by me and my brother leif babin that's pretty normal right and sometimes it's the opposite. Yeah. People got the book and then they got, then they found the podcast. Mm -hmm. So, either way, but I'm just confirming if you're a person that listens to the podcast, the book is also there. You can grab that from Amazon. Mm -hmm. And also, if you kind of want to keep these conversations going with Echo Charles and myself, you can find us. We will be on the interwebs, all of the interwebs (laughs) on Twitter, Instagram. And of course, we even on that is bookie. Echo is at Echo Charles. And I am at Jocko Willink. And finally, thanks everybody for listening. If you're in uniform, thank you for serving. Thanks for taking the fight to the enemy. Thanks for stopping criminals. Thanks for putting out fires. Thanks to all of you in uniform in service and the rest of you troopers out there fighting your own fight make it a good fight make it the kind of fight that win or lose you walk off the field of battle knowing you gave it everything you could give and you had nothing left in that fight that fight that I'm talking about is life. And while I was talking about going through the motions sometimes when you just haven't got the intrinsic drive to go full on at a task, let me tell you what. When it comes to life, don't just go through the motions. Live. Live. Fight the good fight. Live. Live. An outstanding life. Don't just go through life. Don't just get through it. Instead, get after it. So, until next time, this is Echo and Jocko. Out.